Bad Boys for Two, James Wan conjures a franchise, and the dawn of the Sanderson sisters this week on 30-20-10. Hello everyone and welcome to 30-20-10, the Later Time Network's weekly pop culture anniversary explosion uh, Counting down all the cool stuff that happened 30, 20, and 10 years ago. From that, I mean 1993, 2003, and 2013 from this recording, focusing on the week of July 14th to the 20th. So you'll get, open up three little porters, porters, open up three little portals to the past 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Join us on a ride and figure out where you've been, where we're going, how Apple ended up making so much money, despite very different uh, timelines. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. And I'm Diana Goodman. And men, you need to fix yourselves. It is not up to squads of five gay men to help you. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Can't wait to talk about that. And who else? And I'm J.R. Rawls. And look what you made me do. <laughs> These are all hints about what we'll be talking about in the episode. So stay with us. We're bound to talk about something you like. Because there's almost everything has some like pop cultural infamy yet not a lot of personal value to me. But uh, a lot of this would go on to be referenced, become franchises. It's still a pretty big, big week, even if it's one I didn't personally get excited over, although I did find things, many things to love and stuff I hadn't seen before. Um, hi. Also, patreon.com slash time is how we're supported. Thank you for your support. we got exclusive stuff coming there. Matt and I just went through this Disney auction, and JR and I are threatening to do something about Indiana Jones. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I hope th- all of that happens. Extra podcasts, over 100 commentaries. Thank you for your support. Patreon.com slash time. Give us five bucks. Moving on to 30, 2010. 1993 is where we begin. July 14th to the 20th. Uh, and this is kind of big news. Former Soviet airline Aeroloft starts nonstop flights between Moscow and New York. Yeah, back during the Cold War, it was like so impossible to go visit Moscow. You had to go through so, Dude, so many hoops. I, I, I still have that in my brain. Every time someone's like, yeah, I visited Moscow and or shows me pictures of like the Kremlin, I'm like, how? How? Because <laughs> uh, the, apply the, for the special visa through the State Department. Yeah, it was like getting wait, yeah. and then they interview your family. It was like getting to no. Cuba or worse. Mm-hmm. And well, no. that's actually where I flew Aeroflot. I did end Aeroflot. up flying Aeroflot when I was a student at Havana University in Cuba. What has he done? To... <laughs> <laughs> I did have to get permission from the State Department to do that. Went through a whole bunch of hoops. And I was really happy to learn that Aeroflot had the worst safety record in the entire world <laughs> when I was flying it. And I have never been a guy to get scared when I'm on airplanes, I just go, this is the safest form of travel. Therefore, I'm safe. I'm not scared. Mm-hmm. I was petrified mm. flying Aeroflot. <laughs> we were, the the plane was all jerky. It seemed like it was really struggling to get three feet off the ground. Engine is just two white... gerbils in running wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and then this white mist started to come out of the what? air vents. Oh, no. We find this calms the people. <laughs> <laughs> calms the enemy. I mean the passengers. Now uh, we have Lizard Let's show. Le- <laughs> about. 
No, wing is not on fire. It's laser light show. That's kind of an amazing idea. What a great place to do a, a <laughs> fog laden laser light show, as long as nobody has any allergies. Yeah, I forget that you can just go to Russia now. I still am not sure why I'd want to do that. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean uh, now? Current Maybe not now. Political things, not a good time, but it's a fascinating country with a rich, long history and uh, really deep culture. It's yeah. just, it's ruled by savages. So, I, keep li- li- I keep liking to say <laughs> it's uh, alternate reality white people. Like just this, this other side of the coin. What if this happened? And then boom, there's Russia. Wood panel walls never went away. <laughs> <laughs> Buildings are held up by, by ropes. Uh, anyway, moving on to movies of 1993. Two big ones here, but... I, I, 93 movie scheduling kind of baffles me, yeah. though, because we have basically two children's movies against each other, and then next week we have like two silly comedies against each other, and it's like, counter-program, counter-program. Maybe that was part of the counter-programming, because like... After the like the whirlwind of Jurassic Park, the firm, maybe the kids need something. The kids love Jurassic Park. What am I saying? But uh, yeah, if, if you dragged your kids to the firm, you owe it to them to see one of these two movies. <laughs> um, first up, we have one that stuck around in the zeitgeist, I think, for unfortunate reasons. By that, I mean its name, which became synonymous with flashing your dick. Uh, Michael Ironside, August Schellenberg, Gene Atkinson, Michael Madsen, Laurie Petty, and Jason James Richter in Free Willy. A three-ton captive whale. A 12-year-old street kid. Looks like Willie's got himself a soulmate. A friendship you could never imagine. They tried to kill him. Let's free Willie. An adventure you will never forget. Free Willie. How far would you go for a friend? Go, Willie, go! Free Willie. Free Willie. I want to throw this out here. In the entire history of cinema, Mm -hmm. okay, has there ever been a single film with as much cognitive dissidence as this movie? Mm. (laughs) Because this, this is the movie. It's horrible to keep whales trapped. You shouldn't make whales entertain for you. That's wrong. Here's a whale that we keep trapped and make entertained for you. Uh, don't look into that too much. I think, I think, to be fair to the studio, that whale was already captive. In fact, it was cast yeah. because it was great at being captive. And it died because it was great at being captive. But yeah. it, it. I think the story behind Free Willy is far more interesting it is. than the movie itself. I hate to tell you this, but uh, 2013, we have Blackfish coming up. Yeah, and great. I kind of wish they were a double feature. Great. I just uh, oh, I just matched with someone on a dating app that's like, um, yeah, just watching Blackfish. I'm like, well, I'm doing the opposite. How is this possible? <laughs> we're never going to click. Um, I, oh. I, I don't always behave like this, but for hum- my very, very vague human advice is behave as if you think everything in the world might become sentient, live a Pixar movie and blame you for the things you've done to them. And what we've done to <laughs> killer whales is just pretty awful under like under the circumstances through which we understand that they don't like it. And <laughs> in the movie, like, I, I give the movie some credit because the, the, the point is, yes, the whales should not be captive. We should free them. The title, though, I'll, I'll never understand. Like, they never met a British person in your life. Why, Willie? Anything else? <laughs> what are you doing? It, Call he, Wally. Free he, Wally. Perfect. I think you could have gone with Free Kieko, the actual whale's yeah. name. 
which yeah. be- became a campaign that, again, to Warner Brothers' credit, they got behind and paid for. Well, that's right. a Japanese name, and as we're going to talk about in two weeks, there's a lot of anti-Japanese. Is it Star Trek IV? In 1993. Oh, no, it's not no, Star Trek IV. Oh, God. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, like... But, uh, but, yeah. It's one of those things as a kid, like my sister was super, super into this movie. So I kind of don't like it. I just from her room for years was just S double U double V like just the soundtrack played constantly (laughs) in her room. It was the movie she chose to watch. So but then I watched it this time. I'm like, this is really good. (laughs) But as as a child, do you remember the free Willy efforts, the the efforts to free Keiko? Did you like ever give any pocket change to that or anything? No, no, no. My sister actually had a was involved since elementary school in a whale preservation thing. And my my dad is works in environmental presence. So it like it almost never left my mind. And I never did anything towards it because I could (laughs) I was tired of hearing about it as a cynical little 13 year old. And it took what almost 10 years to actually it took free 10 Keiko? years yeah. and 20 million dollars because the problem wow. is he had been in captivity for so long he didn't know how to not be in captivity yep. and if they yep. would have just like picked him up and dropped him in the ocean he would have been dead in a day yep. so they spent a decade and it's kind of a sad story oh, yeah. because he never joined any whale pods. Whales are social animals. They have pods. They they need to be in groups. He got rejected by all of them. He kept wanting to go back to his trainers and he died alone. Yeah. Yep. And that, and so $20 million got you a whale that's in the wild, but not part of anything. A whale that dies of pneumonia. Like what the fuck? It, it's a, it, I always like try and imagine if you ever had the elementary school heartbreak of switching schools in the middle of the year. That's mm. what that whale felt like until it died. <laughs> until it awful. Yeah. Could you make a Pixar film about Keiko? You know, just have it be hmm. the Keiko story hmm. through the Pixar lens. I'm not sure how you'd give a voice to the whale. Because it would Probably. at some point it has to sympathize with its captors. Because <laughs> hmm. it does. Yeah, I don't know. Like that's that's the problem is that like, yeah, if you spend too much time in captivity, especially when you're younger, then you just you, you don't know how to wail so well anymore. <laughs> um, this is part of the problem for me this week. I had kind of a traumatic week because it's like we have a whole bunch of movies they're very popular, but a bunch of them I have not seen. I had mm. never seen Free Willy, so I watched Free Willy, and I was like. That made me sad because I love animals so much. And overall, like, I think they did a really good job of expressing, like, animals are not for your entertainment. You know, the wild is good. This That's a good thing. We should free Willie. Mm-hmm. But she said it, it really, permission. we should not capture them in the first place. Right. Is really, like, the point they're trying to make, which I totally agree with. And I was like, okay, I need to decompress a little bit. Oh, look, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is oh, on goodness. streaming. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, my God. Oh, and now I'm just traumatized for the week. Like no. every movie, I was like, I don't wanna. Oh, I love God. animals so much, and you, know, you can't see them being hurt. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I wanted to point. I think I was at an age. It, it is something beautiful about kids how they can. They're so not easily entertained, but like the, they get animals like at a really early age, and like just. Instant empathy for animals. Love animals, can understand animals. And I had just kind of graduated out of that, and I think my sister was still fully in it. Uh, so so seeing this now, I'm like, this is a very nice 
and well-made movie with fucking Michael Ironside and Michael Madsen, like a bunch of people I associate with nonstop violence. And <laughs> I don't know how they got cat and they're great at it. Uh, Michael Madsen, I, do, I don't know of any other role like this where he, yeah, nice dad surrogate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Or, uh, no, I've never seen him this huggable. My JR type question for you, let's keep an eye out. Is this the last movie we will see set in the modern day from the perspective of an orphan? Like a runaway orphan, a street kid. Because Yeah, that was another element. I was, I was not, I, I thought it would be about like, Maybe the parents are divorced and the kid's sent away for the summer to live with so-and-so. And that's how this all starts. No, that kid is a full-on urchin. Yep. He is living a homeless 12-year-old on the streets. He is uh, he is caught and arrested doing graffiti by Bubba from Force Gump, who will become much <laughs> more famous in the next year, uh, and, and assigned a family and community service of cleaning up the tank that he uh, vandalized. And... Just why? I, I, I'm not naive enough to think. Obviously, there's still street kids somewhere. We just don't like present it as an easily adaptable well, tale. Well, in the Dickinsonian times, it was a real issue. You had all these uh, orphans because people it, are dying of pneumonia, and people are just like, "If I adopt you, my own kids will starve." It, it's no, in, thank you. in every Disney movie, like like yeah. from the 70s and 80s. Yeah. It is an orphan kid. Yeah, and, I'm I'm waiting for a movie about the orphan trains. Orphan because trains. that was just truly strange. Yeah, there there was a movement uh, starting in the late 1800s, but it like ha- I think that happened up until like the 20s, mm. where they would just round up all the orphans in say Chicago, and just put them on a train and send them out west, and they'd stop at a small town and they'd be like, "Get your orphans, yeah!" You're good. And people could just <laughs> literally pick a kid off the train and be like, "I guess you live with us now. We need farm hands." I there's still you're a- not vetted. We don't know if this kid's gonna star or be abused. <laughs> what? Just take free orphans. There's still a modern day set Disney movie. I think it's from the late 70s, but I saw it in the late 80s it's called The Young Runaways. Four kids who run away. And the end of the movie, like the cop is like, We want to adopt you. And it was like in that world, okay. <laughs> that yeah. sure, go live, go live with a guy who says he wants you. No paperwork necessary. Four kids now yours. And yeah. boy, is he going to regret that decision? Jesus Christ! Four four kids at once. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, it was uh, I. That was a much older trope than uh, than 1993, and I don't know that I've seen many movies again. Set the, prove me wrong, 30, 2010, But I'd love to see it come up again because this is the newest movie that deals with expressly orphans. Also, a well-made, non-pandering movie. Kid's kind of a dick and yeah. gradually become find something to care about. It is thoroughly believable. Jason James Richter is great in it. Uh, the the whale, if we can say that, is like that performance is thoroughly great. Uh, very yeah, the whale delivers everything you'd want a whale to deliver acting wise. I mean, Keiko was a performer. Yeah, you know that's what he did. And th- there are sequences Indeed. where like I can't believe the kid is that close to the whale. Like. Normally, I would assume that's not allowed. Killer whales have are not vicious creatures, but have been known to tear people under the fucking water every once in a while. And there's certain scenes like that is just a kid. That's not a robot. That kid is near the whale. Jesus, alone. And I'm sure there's people off screen. They're predators. They. I wouldn't be next to a killer whale. Let's put it that they're way. They're called killer whales. I mean, but they're, they're a killer the same way every carnivore is a killer. I, I think yeah. there's a farsight uh, 
joke on that. It's a killer whale in the witness stand and the prosecutor is going, <laughs> now what type of whale are you exactly? <laughs> Objection! <laughs> uh, the, but I, I was didn't recognize the CG at the end because I feel like all CG came after Jurassic Park, but it like the degree to which Jurassic Park used CG wouldn't become ubiquitous for a while, but it's saw some CG in Dennis the Menace and this movie. Uh, and I, I did see the sequel would take our modern criticisms to heart and employs a robot for a majority of the movie. This, not so much. I haven't seen the sequels. I'm guessing they don't look as good as this one. Yeah. Well, it, uh, the second, I mean, this is an astounding success. $20 million yeah. budget, $160 million domestically. You can't really ask for more than that from a summer film. Made way more than Dennis the Menace, <laughs> summer kids film. Uh, and, and, and became, what would you call it? Like pop culture shorthand. Everybody knew beyond the <laughs> sexual nature. Everybody knew what you meant when you said, oh, we're going to do a free willy. And let these goats out. Like uh, everybody recognized the scene of the whale jumping over Jason James Richter, critic Simpsons. Like it was parodied everywhere. Everybody got it, whether you saw it or not. Yeah. You were aware. And the Michael Jackson song did not hurt at all because mm-hmm. I don't know that he had been on a soundtrack since Ben. And and good question. At least I don't not. Know. I believe it's a. It's a song. It was on Dangerous. I think it was already a release song, but then they put it in the movie, make a movie-related video. And SWB and... samples it in their, him in their song, so he's kind of in that too. So Yeah. yeah. So the soundtrack yep. does huge, uh, does incredibly. And it, it's just so weird to have a kid's movie uh, like this right about now, because it's, it, it's coming up on another kid's movie. You tell me when to switch gears, because I've... So I was yeah. I was shocked how like this is a good movie, Free Willy. Yeah, and I'm I'm mm. trying to think of like other movies that are sort of like this, and like most of them just fall apart, mm. or they're just too treacly, or they're like too dumbed down, or they're too formulaic. And it's like, yeah, obviously we know the formula on this, but it's like it's done with like integrity. Mm-hmm. Does that make any right. sense? Yeah. And I also think it's worth pointing out every trope. Some kid has experienced it for the first time. Yeah. We may have seen this all throughout our lives, but there's a six, seven, eight-year-old who's never seen it before, and for them, it's new. So I really don't think you have to reinvent the wheel every time with kids' film. There's a new generation. And I, I did want to remark that, like, there is a villain with Michael Ironside, that whale's worth more dead than alive. Uh, <laughs> but the, the shittiest person in the movie is the kid, because everybody else by nature of what they do, have a very kind, empathetic heart. And to get them to all rally behind, yeah, fuck this. Let's free Willie. Makes total sense. The kid was the biggest jerk on the hero side. He's got to come around. He had to grow. So getting back to Michael Jackson. Please. He tried to adopt Keiko. Oh, dear. Oh, Michael. He wanted to bring him to the Neverland Ranch to be not an attraction, uh, for the public, but you know, a little old for my attraction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whale was captured in the seventies. Uh, yeah, uh, Jesus Christ! I mean, like, like there's you're gonna see a lot of that, and there's no better movie that emphasizes that. Good things done the wrong way, then there's no better movie that emphasizes that than the movie Roar. Please make oh. sure to watch Roar if you'd like a movie with kind like animals are our friends. Let's be kind to them by keeping them all in our house with our family and children. And it becomes home alone. Mm -hmm. 
but the paint cans are live lions and everyone is hurt. And yep. <laughs> it's a yeah, very good no, movie. animals are our friends. We can act like they're a bunch of big German shepherds. Yeah. No, no, you can't. They're going to scalp Jan de Bont. Yeah, <laughs> which they did. Roar, people. It's fucking great. It was just reissued. Uh, and then. Yeah. Uh, so second child, second kids movie going up against Free Willy. Yes. A Halloween movie in july <laughs> i do wonder the timing do yeah. we have any i tried to look into this i couldn't find out why was this a halloween movie in july i don't see the answer anymore. i really don't understand like we get horror movies in july all the time you get horror movies around around the the calendar but this is a Halloween. Movie. Halloween, Halloween ass movie. One of the most Halloween ass yeah. movies out there. If you're looking for a film that celebrates the holiday of Halloween, this is on that list. Yeah. I, I want to say it was maybe to coincide with a home video release, but I think even that was like a longer what? window. Uh, no, to put the home video out in October? No. Yeah, but it would that. be it'd be at least six months to a year. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't make sense was either. Minimum. But but I, I I do have some praise for it, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Vanessa Shaw, Thora Birch, Omri Katz, Kathy Najimi, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Bette Midler in Hocus Pocus. From Walt Disney Pictures, after 300 years, the Sanderson witches are back and running amok. Are you boys a little old to be trick or treating? Hocus Pocus, rated PG. National sneak preview this Saturday and Sunday. Ah, uh, I saw this in theaters. And I've watched it again, and I don't like this. <laughs> like I, 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 I'm kind of dumbfounded by this movie. It was not a success initially. The reviews are all very meh. It didn't do well in the box office, and I feel like through just Pavlovian repetition and training of people, it has become a beloved well, Halloween. Movie. Well, I, the one thing I'll say is, uh, I remember when I was a little kid, Disney the Disney Channel made a movie called Mr. Boogity. And I don't remember a fucking frame of Mr. Boogity. But there was, there was, we would be treated to like older Halloween stuff that was kind of geared toward adults. But that's like the first big thing I remember being made for kids. And we would drive in the subsequent years, like for the next two, three years, to drive to a, a summer camp that was at a session to watch Mr. Boogity because it was like kind of the only modern kid-friendly Halloweeny thing that there was, and it it, let, it it wasn't available on VHS. You had to record it off the Disney Channel. They made an event out of it, and there. And and, and second of all, I do not fault anybody who loves this movie because I know more spooky chicks now than I ever did, and you got <laughs> nothing ever, <laughs> ever. Spooky chicks, horror fans that are women didn't get shit for a long, long fucking time, and I think that I don't want. I, I know that's faint praise. But it's just, you know, it's kind of a, the performances are cute, but the movie is pretty dumb. <laughs> and it just, it didn't hit me then. And mm -hmm. it doesn't work for me as an adult. And the second one didn't either. And, but I love that it found, that it found a way to be loved. I, I really yeah, do. I, I missed this when it came out. I just felt like I was too old for it in 1993 and I never got on the train. And then when my kids were old enough, it was like, oh, that's a huge giant Halloween movie. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I haven't watched all this time. And we watched this and then the sequel, uh, Day Apart, and didn't really fall in love with either. Mm -hmm. It was just like, this is not ticking my 
boxes, you know, uh, everyone mentions it, but by God, does this film have something about virgins? <laughs> I don't it's understand so weird. that there, at all. Everything has to be, you know, a virgin has to do this. A virgin has to, why can't you just say a child does it? Mm -hmm. But it's not just that it's a virgin. It's brought up again and again and again, as this clip shows. A virgin lit the candle. So for three centuries, I guarded the house on All Hallows Night when I knew some airhead virgin might light that candle. <laughs> Brave little virgin who lit the candle. Oof, <laughs> this is... It keeps going. It keeps going, it keeps going. for like yeah. a minute. It's not... If it's just... I mean, like, I believe they have to have a virgin in Monster Squad. Monster Squad, But yeah. it's just tossed aside pretty quickly, and they don't keep bringing it up. And, and it's like, these people are judging this teenage boy a lot for being a virgin. Oh, is he? Well, yeah, is he? and he's what, like 13, 14? Yeah, he looks <laughs> much younger. Sake. Just say child. Just say a child has to do it. And that's fine. <laughs> that would be fine. It's or, not like, uh, was if, it if you really where the solution at the end is, well, then he he fucks, so now he's not a virgin, <laughs> so now they the vampires can't get him. I can't believe I just referenced that. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, I can't believe Mick Garris wrote it. Um, huh. Legendary horror guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it, but it, there weren't a lot of modern Halloweeny things back then. There's much, 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 much more now. Thank Christ, because like I I think I usually start my Halloween viewing on like September first, midnight. Pre Hocus Pocus, I think you've got it's the Great Pumpkin uh, <laughs> from the 60s. the Witches, the nineteen ninety one. And Adam's family, which was just two years ago. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, Nightmare Before Christmas is coming up. Casper's coming up, but they're not here yet. Yeah. And 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 I I I remember from my youth, and I was just blown away by a lot of my friends, uh, especially their daughters, like, fucking love witches and ghost stories, man. Like, why are you holding out on on the kids? It's what they want to hear. Give it to them. And yeah. and so I don't fault this movie at all for not working with me. It's just a, you know, kind of a formulaic. Not quite funny Disney film. The performance, I, I'll tell you, I heard that voice in that clip. If you want to know exactly where I was, I was in theaters not thinking at all about the movie, but like, when is, when is Sarah Jessica Parker going to come back on screen? Holy shit. Holy crud. <laughs> Holy okay. shit. Anyone who makes a joke about Sarah Jessica Parker being ugly has not seen this film because <laughs> Yowzer did that woman give a generation of young men yeah. a preference for girls with uh, emotional issues and too much air eyeliner. And as a massive <laughs> fan of a movie she'll be in a year ago, quit. You think you're being hilarious by saying she looks like a horse? She said that in Ed Wood in 1994 about herself. How dare you try and be clever and scathing with a joke she made about herself 30 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> this This film is just a weird, weird... Com it's... combination of other things because th they're not afraid to go dark in some ways. Is yeah. you start out your film by having the witches be hanged and they show mm -hmm. the feet dropping as agents of darkness, and then it's flat out stated that their book is bound in human skin. So you know <laughs> it's it's evil dead babies. Yeah, there's so many elements <laughs> I, I like that don't come together for me. Um, and, and and but like being these are mostly cartoon characters with cartoonish yeah, goals exactly. and and the kid every time the kids are on screen I'm like eh, 
eh, I don't care about your problems that much. I want to see. <laughs> I would like to see everything the witches, the Sandersons want to happen, happen. Gimme. Let me see that yeah. reality. Yeah. No, I mean, I, it's so weird because so much of the tone is, you know, baby's first Halloween movie where it's like, mm. I was comparing it to the witches is, is a pretty good comparison that like, Oh, that movie, when it kicks it, when it gets dark, it gets fucking scary, you know, yeah. but this one, you know, and that was when I was like 13. I was like, holy shit, that got dark. I'm cool, but my little brother can't watch this. And Hocus Pocus is like, you get yeah, a six and a seven year old go watch it, fine. And then there'd just be the weird things of like, yeah, the constant virgin references. Mom, <laughs> and, am I a virgin? <laughs> yeah, it's just like little things. It's like, but this is a kid's movie for like little kids. This is baby's first Halloween and mm -hmm. you're having skin curses virgins am what I not, am i nuts to think that this might have a even campier following with bet midler and screaming jay hawkins song like uh oh the gays love this is that a, what you're asking yes. do drag queens yeah. love this movie Why yes, of course they? drag queens love this okay. movie. <laughs> that's so there's another underserved audience that is getting something pretty fucking grand um, yeah well yeah because they're so campy yeah so and I love the campiness about it. It's just like, yeah, yeah I like one more. That's my problem. Say, so if you just want to go super camp all the time, I'd probably prefer how dare that. you make them the villains. So yeah, I guess faint praise for Hocus Pocus, but I, I utterly mm. admire it's it's it being forced as a pop cultural phenomenon, and that does have to do with like Disney will merchandise fucking anything, and, and they um, run this every single year and make a big deal out of it. And that's why I feel like. I don't I don't know if it found its audience over time or if people were just sort of brainwashed into liking it. Just the familiarity. That's, that's how this all makes works. Be nostalgic for it. That's how the, everything works as a kid. It's whatever you have access to and no one was giving anybody access to anything else. It it, it is bizarre up until there was that second movie there was for like the last 10 years there's been a, a, a Sanderson sisters section in every spirit Halloween store on the strength of one bomb of a movie crazy uh well nightmare before christmas wasn't that huge of excess when it came sure. out either sure but they, I, you know merchandise for a generation right but uh, but i'm just saying like just uh, that got re-releases and like this wasn't like available to buy for a while like this i i this is it, it being accepted and beloved is almost miraculous in spite of its treatment uh and, and initial box office performance so that, that I love that kind of story too, but again, that's not the story contained in the movie. So I love everything yeah. about the hocus pocus phenomenon, but the movies itself. <laughs> uh, there, so whew. fair enough. Let's move on to television in nineteen ninety three because it's nearly barren. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna talk yeah, about, we talking the about? 90s. Johnny Bago. Why are we talking about Johnny Bago again? Yeah. We're because there's nothing else on in 1993. Okay. Johnny Bago is their summer series. So this and the one other show is like the only new television we're getting, but I'm putting it up here because this is Johnny's golden shaft. Uh, where <laughs> Jesus and free Willy in the same week yeah. <laughs> where he discovers a gold mine and he ends up having to give it to a little kid in need because, uh, he has to keep running from the law and the mafia See and his Johnny Bago running from the law. And well, <laughs> here is the theme song sung by a Mr. Jimmy Buffett what? to explain oh. the plot of the show. Life's too 
complicated, it's too complex. I was set up. I did not do it. Bounce from town to town like rubber checks. <laughs> Didn't know at the time I'd pay double for the crime. Not to mention a serious problem with the opposite sex. I'm his ex-wife. This sounds like Ray fucking Stevens. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, Jimmy Buffett's. Don't, don't get don't get and oh the thing i really wanted to check out this week now that it's finally available to watch um in a, in a way that's economical young indiana jones istanbul uh, so this is uh his episode where he's in istanbul uh so turkey was allied to germany in world war one and indy is a spy master and he is trying to get the turks to make a separate peace and he gave a really good explanation for why he's trying to end this war any way he can. When I was fighting in the trenches, I saw thousands of people killed for nothing. A lot of them were my friends. If I'd have succeeded in shortening this war, even by a day, I'd have saved thousands of lives. I thought I could do that without hurting you. Do you honestly think I could spend the rest of my life with you, never knowing whether or not you were lying to me? I never want to see you again. Indy! Oh, yeah. poor Indy. Uh, so that's his fiance, who we've never seen before and we're never going to see again because she dies <laughs> in this episode. And at oh. the time when I was watching it, I found the ending to be so sad. I was like deeply moved that Indy lost his fiance. Watching it at 45, it's a lot more hokey than it was watching it at 15, <laughs> but it's not bad. I mean, Indy's sentiment there is solid. You know, World War One was such a bloodbath that, yeah, if you save, if you get World War One ended one single day shorter, You've absolutely saved thousands of lives. Yeah, and and I meant I, to I meant to send it to you. I read there was this huge piece with a uh, Sean Patrick Flannery on Indiana Jones, and that just gave me. A, I knew it from having seen certain episodes, but like they're told out of chronology, and he mm -hmm. plays Indy like he plays Indy for like two and a half years over the course of six or seven years of Indy's life, and it does all the important things for. He's like, yeah, we like. Six months later, I'm in Africa. Six months later, I'm in Istanbul. And like they're moving to all these locations and shoot, like just trying to striving for historical accuracy and to make something a little more than entertaining. That seems like it costs so much money. And that the, the, yeah. even the fourth Indiana Jones didn't do. And like most television shows in of the era are all like they don't leave Burbank. And <laughs> yeah, they're just shooting in freaking Istanbul. This is not Burbank pretending to be Istanbul. Yeah. Like, no, they go shoot there. Yeah, and he, he was I talking. Really he was, he was talking. They, they, George would give me a month's supply of batteries for my Walkman and flashlight, and it would run out. <laughs> and and I would, and so I'd be intense in like living with natives, and it was, it just seemed absolutely thrilling as a production. Like I just didn't think of it like that. So once again, shout out. Sorry, you go ahead, Jr. Yep, I think it's the most ambitious television show at the time. Yep. I don't think any television show was ambitious as this one. And was. again, it's it's streaming on Disney Plus. If you haven't heard us say that, after years of being not available or out of print or impossible to watch on television, and uh, yeah, that is pretty much it for TV. 
1993 because it's the summer. Everyone's yeah. everyone's still at the beach from Fourth of July, you know, because we can all afford. Remember when you used to be able to afford a trip to the beach for a week or two? Oh my God, is that expensive now? Uh, mm-hmm. And then 1993 video games. That's where I'm at. Uh, we got Shining Force for the Genesis, a game I've never played. It's a uh, pretty successful RPG oh, yes. series for the uh, Genesis. And the uh, maker of it had this to say about the experience. Main game designer Hiroyuki Takahashi explained in an interview in 2010 that the original Shining in the Darkness was made on minimal budget. And then Sega did not increase their funding when it came to Shining Force or the eventual Shining Force 2. He explained that at the time, RPGs were made so that they could tell a good and interesting story. Takahashi said, sure, that's true, but he really felt that there needed to be more engaging battles, saying they needed to be, quote, enjoyable and worthwhile. Indeed, indeed. Keep going? No, that's it. That's it. I just found it very interesting that it was a huge success and they just went, no, we're not increasing your budget. You you get the exact same as the shoestring. Yeah. Sorry, I saw the name Shining Force and I just immediately thought, like Shining Path, the the communist guerrilla group in Peru. (laughs) I'm trying to to pretend I understand the reference, Diana. Uh, but this Shining force. anything Shiny you force. bring to the forefront, Diana, during our Genesis discussion, I encourage because <laughs> so, uh-huh. I know this is a system. This, this is all I got. I have like dumb jokes. It's like that sounds like the other thing. Although I did, while that was playing, look up Techno Clash and see um, why isn't it just called Wizards versus Robots? Oh, that's a better. That name. would be the better idea. Techno Clash. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, or it's that time when DJ Kiyoki and Moby fought. Uh, or, yeah. or uh, Warp Speed for the Genesis is also out this week. Warp Speed. It's a space flight simulator, and space flight simulators for the 16-bit just don't have enough power. <laughs> they don't. Mm. This is true. And uh, yeah, we were just that's about it for as far as games goes. But music's still chugging along in the summer. Uh, we got Week by SWV. It's still number one. Man, SWV's having a hell of a summer. Uh, they really are. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we also have new releases by Chrome, or no, Chrome by Catherine Wheel, Bill by Tripping Daisy, The Battle Rages On by Deep Purple, Fake Train by Unwound, and Promises and Lies by UB40. Will You Be There by Michael Jackson uh, from the Free Willy soundtrack will be taking us out because Jesus was this, like, this was Could on. Not avoid it. This was on the Dangerous album a year before, but it wasn't a single. And it wasn't being played on the radio every fucking, every goddamn 30 minutes. And now it was thanks to a little orca called Kieko. Um, well, so let's close out with that. We will meet up with you once again 10 years in the future, 2003. Don't go anywhere. Love me like a mother. Will you be there? Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. When you either get bored or, you know, there's no more places to put stuff. Maybe you get married, and when you want to buy dork stuff, yeah. Be selective. I'm not yeah. saying be expensive, 
But this is the kind of stuff I gush over now. I could, I do have stuff that is one of the kind that I hung up on my wall or put on my shelf that makes me smile way more than any pop figure or reissue $20 action figure. It's just like, God, this makes me happy. And I recommend, if, you're re- if you've been dorky about something for more than 20 years, get involved in that scene. Even if it's, you're not paying into it, like start looking at it. And that's my preface for getting you interested in what Matt and I are about to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Some, I, part of something that depressed me today was seeing how many people are into our scene and that Sucks. we are basically competing with for Disney Park memorabilia. Yeah. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Coming in with Right There uh, by Chingy. I hope it's Chingy off of Jackpot. Let's pretend I've heard of this song and I'm a big fan of old Ching. Uh, it was like number six on the charts. It was a very big song. <laughs> Old Chinge. Uh, welcome to 2003. Ten years later, but still covering the week of July 14th to the 20th, uh, as well as the new music releases, which include Limelight Love and Nightclubs by DeBrat, Other Hours by Harry Connick Jr., P-Bone, it's a P-Bone Steak by P. Lander Z, <laughs> Red Dirt Road by Brooks and Dunn, Wave on Wave by Pat Green, and Man in the Air by Kurt Elling. Crazy in Love by Beyonce featuring Jay-Z is still number one. Uh, it used to it. Yeah. No, yeah. Rightfully Actually, so. Actually, I think the thing that knocks it off is a song from a movie we're going to talk about. No. Okay. I yeah. can't. Um, a little bit of news to warm you over with what was going down 20 years ago. Holy shit. AOL Time Warner disbands Netscape Communications Corporation. Um, and Mo- the Mozilla Foundation is established on the exact same day. Yeah. Growing up, I remember the browser wars as being like this big thing where it was like every couple of years, browsers just got replaced. It was like, you know, that old browser, everyone hates it now. We just switched on mass. But now I've been using Google Chrome for like over 13 years or something like that. And it's like, hey, they're really stealing a lot of your data. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. But I don't want to re-log into my YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Firefox for life. Yeah. Um, I'm a Mozilla person. Yeah, it was so annoying with these early browsers. Netscape was the first browser, I believe. It, I, and it, it's, then it, it was like, there's more browsers that are like, they have way more bells and whistles, but then that slows them down and you don't need all that shit. And so then there'd be a new one that's like, this is lean and mean and up to date. Mm-hmm. And then it would start getting bogged down with shit. It get bought by somebody and then they bog it down with shit and it would just keep happening over and over. And over. It's like, I like, I love remembering my early jaunts onto the internet. Cause one, it was like prodigy, but that was like, a pretty self-contained like bulletin board system through them. Yeah. And it's yeah, not a web. And then through AOL, which is like a fucking mess. It looks like the TV Dax Shepard is watching an idiocracy. That's what <laughs> AOL looked like. And you navigated via keywords or whatever AOL showcased to you. The first browser I ever saw was Netscape. The, and I, I remember succinctly my friend like, check this out. Netscape. What is that? 
doesn't matter. Yahoo.com, x-rays of things put up people's butts. Boom! First thing I saw in my public school with the Netscape browser, a Barbie doll and a light bulb x-ray up someone's ass. Uh, and, and, almost, and then I took it like, what else does it have? And I just searched my favorite thing, MST3K. And almost immediately found this fan fiction thing that I read every year about Joel escape. What happens to Joel after he escapes in the box of Hamdingers? Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's my history. What's your web history? Oh, uh, Also in the news this week, uh, in France, where the naked ladies dance, two bombs explode outside of a tax office in nice. Um, <laughs> in these. Yeah. In- this is one aspect of 9-11 I, I want to stress it to the younger listeners. 9-11 wasn't an isolated event. It was the biggest, but there was a bunch of Islamic fundamentalist terrorist attacks before and after. And afterwards, every one of those, you know, I hate to use the word minor, but relatively minor terrorist attack made everyone freak out because you never knew, well... Is this just going to lead yeah. to something huge like 9-11? And in this case, it's the Corsican Liberation Front, a group no one really knows or cares about. Corsican the, Freedom. The Cheech and Chong I, movie? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> no, it, yeah, it's weird that uh, the trailer for Ridley Scott's Napoleon just came out. So I guess we can talk about Corsica now. <laughs> First time in 40 years, because uh. that's where Napoleon is from. But, you know, it's an island off of France, and they have a group that wants liberation and it's like okay don't blow people up you're lucky you didn't kill anybody is that really going to help corsican liberation yeah i they're liberated to this day i believe this all worked uh oh yeah no it immediately worked and they got everything they wanted and um yeah now corsica is you know a world superpower (laughs) um i i am a big fan of our corsican overlords they swept the winter games (sighs) Um, And then I just loved asking this question. Why have Roberto Clemente, Julia Child, Charlton Heston, and Wendy's Dave Thomas assembled in a single room? Why The Avengers? Yes, the worst (laughs) Avengers. (laughs) The worst Avengers required nap time. I would not fight Julia Child. No, me neither. To her dying day. Or Charlton Heston. Break me. At any age, it looked like my my fist would bounce off of his barrel chest. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, and Wendy's Dave Thomas would just absorb me. But President Bush is awarding them with the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And I just, I see this every once in a while in the news. And like, this still feels like the most random people you could get in a room <laughs> that are household names. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. I can't imagine what conversation is happening. That's fascinating, wow. Roberto. You know, the, you know, Roberto, the movies were very, very good. Too. Oh, that's not him. Um. <laughs> I, the, the conversation I genuinely wanted to hear is between Wendy's Dave Thomas ah. and Julia Child. Because Ooh, they both yeah. have, they're both in the culinary arts, yeah. but radically different methods. Your square sandwiches are exquisite, Mr. Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and always the JBC for 99 cents. It can't be beaten. Uh, dumb impressions done. Yeah. And- well, is this the thing that I always loved about Julia Child was that she was about the fanciest of haute cuisine, but making it accessible and mm-hmm. showing like, it's not scary. You can do this. And you know what? Have a beer with it. Sure. Beer goes great with this. <laughs> Rock on, Julia. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they all have president, presidential medals of freedom, and we don't try and 
try let's try and guess which one of your co-hosts will be the first to get it. I'm saying Ooh. all the money's on not me. And uh, <laughs> and uh, moving on to movies of 2003, July 14th and 20th. Dirty pretty things uh, with Sophia Okinito, Audrey Tattoo, and she would tell Ejiofor. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. Uh, all you gotta this do is, is one be I, a Firefly movie. I wish I had had the time to go back and rewatch because I remember really liking this mm. back at the time. Problem is that title just makes me think of like teen dramas on the WB. Pretty Little Liars <laughs> or all those other exactly. Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon shows I've never watched. Like, yeah, exactly. so confusing. Big yeah, Dirty Pretty Things does not tell you what this movie is about. It is about uh, illegal immigrants in London and them trying to like deal with being exploited and all these different things that can exploit them like the a, a trade in human kidneys oh jesus, jesus. and yeah mm. she uh she plays uh you know a guy who's a doctor but he can't practice yeah you know, since he left his home country which i don't even remember if they say where it is but then he you know is part of this community of of other people just living on the fringes because Anything bad happens, you can't go to the cops because you don't have your paperwork. And mm. um, a lot of very terrible things happen. And it the acting is outstanding because these people are all just powerhouses. Uh, Audrey Tattoo, you probably just know from um, Amelie. Amelie. And uh, where she's just so cute and so charming. It's like she brings the drama in this. And it's a Stephen Frears movie, which oh. that guy has one of the best batting records yeah. of all time. Like yeah. what was the last movie if you we see Stephen Frears' his? name on there, you have a pretty, like a 90% chance the movie's going to be fucking banger. Yeah. What was, uh, yeah. And then up next we have uh, Trent Ford, Allison Janney, and Mandy Moore in How to Deal. How to Deal. Um, eh. Meh, romantic comedy based it's on a novel. Is... <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Got to get back <laughs> on the show. You know, it's it's a teen soap opera, it sounds like. Yeah, um, sorry, Mandy. I didn't, I did not have time for this stuff. I was being traumatized by Guardians of the Galaxy 3. <laughs> it's a good trauma. <laughs> every, every review told me it was going to be, like, very emotional, mm -hmm. and they did not tell me I was walking into Human Centipede starring animals. Yep. <laughs> I, 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 I was... Uh, yeah, watching that movie when it the day it was released, it's like every scene could be the end of somebody, and it just it was a. I really want to see it again, knowing <laughs> that is not always the case. Uh, oh my god! Uh, I'll throw this uh, out here: hmm. yeah. best Phase Four Marvel film by I a mean, lot. It rekindled my love for the MCU right when James Gunn is slamming the door shut on one of the most special things in it. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know what's in in Phase Four anymore. <laughs> uh, we discussed it today, and nobody. It's COVID right. pushed a lot back. Uh, their schedule is pretty ruined as it as it appeared uh the timeline yep. appeared a few years ago but all right now what i should have watched to make me feel better is this next movie which is not especially great but i still had fun so shut up no i look i had the same thing with uh his other franchise like this is technically horrible but it's also great yep. uh ben miller john malkovich natalie imbruglia um oh I'm torn on that one Jesus. Uh, Rowan Atkinson <laughs> in Johnny English. The safety of the world's top spies is in the hands of Johnny English. You're unbelievable. Now, the last man standing is our last hope. We can't afford any mistakes. I couldn't agree more, sir. 
Johnny English. Rated PG. Oh, Johnny English. Uh, so I don't know about the other host, but uh-huh. we're doing a 80s in depth episode on the two James Bond movies <laughs> that came out in 1983. So I had just watched those uh, right before I watched Johnny English. So that's cheating in a ways. Because I was absolutely in the uh, mood for making fun of James Bond. And this does. Honestly, I'm not a huge Mr. Bean fan. I've I never am. really liked it. Uh, but I laughed at a bunch of times in this film. It was a lot funnier than I expected. Rowan Atkinson is gifted. And as uh, someone who was forced to watch two James Bond movies he's never seen, <laughs> wonders why a spoof is even necessary. Like, because I am laughing more than I am thrilled by both of those movies. They yeah. are so silly. I, I feel like the, the time was just right for this. Or mm-hmm. maybe maybe a year or two earlier would have been better because like we've we've done three Austin Powerses now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what if we had a Bond parody that was also Inspector Clouseau? Mm. that's yeah. kind of what this is you know because it's it's rowan atkins just doing a ton of very goofy physical comedy of just all kinds everything that goes wrong because all all of the other spies are wiped out and he's the only guy left Sweet. <laughs> and he king ralphs it king ralphs and, <laughs> <gonna> say that. <laughs> and he gets to, he gets to be the top spy now and of course you know, his tie gets stuck in the sushi conveyor at the restaurant <laughs> and he's constantly falling down, getting knocked over. Things explode behind him. He doesn't know what he's doing. And and John Malkovich gets to camp it up as the French bad guy who he's he seems like he's actually having a good time. Does he finally played the French jewel thief. Oh, good. Uh, <gasps> oh, my God. He did finally. Because it's about stealing the crown jewels good. and his his plan to, like, force Queen Elizabeth to abdicate by like murdering her corgis and then he's going to become part of the Stuart restoration and he's actually king now yeah it is some goofy goofy crap um but yeah this is the kind of thing that rowan atkinson just yeah he should have been doing yeah for a long time he he basically yeah it's, no one else it, can it's, do it's, it's clouseau a guy who's his ability his he his abilities are nil but his confidence is very high and yeah. and uh, I was only reading that this has a little bit of a Ted Lasso origin. Like he did a character like this in a series of commercials, which of course ah. we didn't see uh, because right. they, they weren't broadcast over here. And I think they changed the names, but they of one of the characters. And then why isn't this? A, why hasn't isn't Ronan Atkinson doing this? Everybody, it's fucking clearly a British production. Why yeah. hasn't Rowan Atkinson done a Bond parody? Come on. Yeah. It's and in... I know there's there's a couple of sequels which I haven't seen because I, I haven't it's heard. A, it's a trilogy. It's a very yeah. I haven't I haven't heard many good things, but then also this one, like a lot of critics just did not like this. Like Rotten Tomatoes, it's in like the fifties, I think. And it's like, why? Like, what did you think you were going to get? I don't know. I again you I developed be in the right mood for it. Yeah. I was luckily in the right mood for it, but I could absolutely see myself watching this exact same film and just being like well i don't want to have fun movie i'm not gonna have fun <laughs> you're not fun so i'm not having fun i fell in love with you mr bean make- i fell in love with mr bean super late and then fell in love with it even more when i saw it in countries where i don't speak the language and i just appreciated the gift on a whole different level oh my god tv i i can understand mr bean yep. 
uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, this seemed like money on the table. Holy shit! Like, um, yeah, I, it just didn't do as well as they thought it would, and I guess Roman oh. Atkinson kind of got depressed. But yeah, there are there are sequels, and yeah, Johnny English is a lot of fun. I don't I don't know what people's problem is. Well, you want extremely goofy comedy. If you want you uh, a ton of fun, that's even harder to defend. Uh, yeah. N- number Let's one- talk about more like you better be in the right mindset or dear God. <laughs> number one at the box office, uh, Joey Pants, Joey Penaliano, Teresa Randall, Peter Stormare, Gabrielle Union, Will Smith, and Martin Lawrence. Getting top billing. Good for Martin. Uh, number one at the box office, it is Bad Boys 2. We ride together. We die together. Bad Boys for life. some of it well i was at a family barbecue <laughs> Rated R. bad boys for two uh might have the longest <sighs> sequel gaps uh, of any franchise there is <laughs> that is, al- this is a long sequel gap almost for... once it once a decade you get a bad boys yeah. movie almost yeah. bad boys, the first bad boys hit i don't know why they didn't have some lined up already will smith. to go it's will smith, uh, will smith. <laughs> it's the, everybody well, else was ready say. will smith even michael bay which uh, like that's my biggest praise of this because it, it it feels like a huge financial step up in terms of the production, and I do well, believe it costs one hundred million dollars more. And everything is so much bigger than the original Bad Boys, which is a tight little crime movie. It's insane. I would probably say this is the biggest buddy cop movie of all time. Yeah. This- this is the buddy cop movie that would be in Arnold Schwarzenegger's last action hero if yeah. that was a real movie without <laughs> the little boy joining him, okay? Yeah. And I, I, I mean, because everything explodes. Everything is gorgeous. They're jaunting around all over the place. And it almost broke me for action films. I was watching <laughs> this, and I was just going, and, and. <laughs> Talk about it's not a- being in the right mood. It's two and a half hours. Yeah, it's very yes. long. Yes. It's yes. very long, but but like I loved it when I saw it in theaters, and I pretty much loved it when I saw it again. Just for like CG is omnipresent, and there's it's not like there's none in the movie, but more work done on screen than anything else in two thousand three. Like uh, in terms I of explosions, care about the characters. I never saw this in theaters. I haven't seen one. This is my first one in the series I'm ever watching, and I'm not a huge action fan regularly you know i i watched them growing up but it wasn't like i can't wait for the next action movie fantasy sci-fi yes action not really mm-hmm. and part of the show is i'm watching so goddamn <laughs> many action films that i i was about ready to be just like nope guys i'm not covering any more action films that's all on you well uh, uh, here, but here's what a I- movie in our third segment pulled me back oh all right uh well I, here's what i would like to impress on you this is michael bay's first r-rated movie since the original bad boys and he'd been kind of making bad boys is a huge hit but then like armageddon and the rock and all that stuff like into pearl harbor like he's doing like massive broad audience pg-13 kind of stuff and if you watch this movie you will be startled it makes bad boys look pg 
because there <laughs> is so much dismemberment and headshots and just uh, for a cop movie uh, like a body count this large so many people are slaughtered in this fucking movie mm-hmm. and and that's another thing that like I sort of reveled in because I think our attitude towards cops on screen is a little different. And the entire finale is just like, you can't legally do this. It's out of your jurisdiction. Like fuck your jurisdiction. (laughs) (laughs) These other cops know people in Cuba and they just break all the rules and kill all the people. Oh yeah. Because they're working with the anti Castro underground in Cuba, which apparently has like a thousand guys working for it in 2003. Okay. I, Cuba did not have anything approaching anything like that. And it still doesn't. It's it's so ridiculous. Uh, so this is the first movie I saw the term Bayhem used to describe <laughs> the kind of action. And I truly love that where it's like, what's the point of this? It looks cool. Yeah. And, and like that just, yeah, it feels like one long very expensive actiony music video with sometimes they're really highlighting how the Miami of it of it all, which is like, okay, <laughs> I like that. I like a movie that is grounded in a place, but it's also like a crazy fantasy version. And I'm so confused by I know there's got to be a hundred writers on this fucking thing, but the credited writers Jerry are Ron St- Shelton, who did Bull Durham and yeah. Jerry Stahl, the permanent midnight guy. Yeah, the guy haunted by Alf. And uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so much that he does uh drugs with his baby in the car. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what the fuck? And like I'm I feel bad sh- for all, all the third stringers, like Gabriel Union. Like I love Gabriel Union and uh, Teresa Randall. These are fun people. And yeah, their job is kind of just to show up yeah. and then the camera swings around a billion times they, and then, just, then it blows up. The absolute height of Michael Bay's camera spinning is in this movie because it's doing <laughs> it through keyholes and bullet holes. It th- Michael Bay loves to spin the camera around his characters. <laughs> it's in the middle of a shootout and it's done fairly practically. It's a cool fucking shot. This movie is filled with cool shots. Uh, yeah. And, and, but God, it did. It was the same thing where I was just, I was exhausted after a while. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this movie. I might actually fall asleep, not because I'm bored or tired. I'm just worn out. See, I don't think action films should be two and a half hours long. No. I can't tell you another Why? great two and a half hour action movie. I can't, mm. I can't name it. Mm, maybe one of the um, lethal weapons. I don't know. You could be right. None but, of those are two and a half hours. I, I you're probably right too. But but it just I I got a huge kick out of this and fe- and felt like this is the Michael Bay I want more of. And like, wh- what are the R-rated movies I'm missing? And I think it's only Ambulance is what I haven't seen. So I'm somehow hmm. gonna try and make time for that as soon as I can because. We make fun of Michael Bay, but the man has a gift, whether you like it or not. No one shoots things like him, and when people try and parody yeah. it, they fail. He is is kind of amazing in this one weird thing that he does, and he's been pretty limited. He's been uh, forced to do it around Transformers for most of his career. And Yeah. I think maybe if I went into this, not I did feel like it was going to be homework because I knew it was going to be when I see on like the Rotten Tomatoes where like the critic scores like 20% and the audience scores like 70 something percent, mm-hmm. 
I know it's going to be a big, dumb movie. And sometimes big, dumb movies are great. And that's what you need is a big, dumb movie. And the critics just don't understand. You just want a big, dumb movie. And if I'd gone into this thinking that this was a brilliant parody of a Michael Bay film made by (laughs) Michael Bay, then it would have been hit out of the park. See, I I got that's what it fucking feels like. Why is it so long? I got the vibe of like being like an internet film, like an early, you know, uh, in my 20s loving film and reading about like action-packed shit from the 70s that people have kind of forgotten about like to live and die in la and freebie in the bean and just like what the fuck when i see those movies why didn't anybody tell me that it existed i think bad boys 2 is going to do that for people because it, it does it, it's too fucking long to get aired on television for the most part especially on commercial <laughs> television it'd be three and a half hours long if it, if throwing commercials in this thing uh yeah. so you some, have to cut down so you'd have to cut down so much violence and swearing too and it's i think it'll be profoundly entertaining if you like this kind of action movie because it is big 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 and buckets full of dismembered limbs and fingers and like like genuinely gross where the first movie isn't like at all like it it, it seems almost like a regression michael bay gets to make a rated r movie and like oh thank god i'm gonna make the most rated r cop movie of all time <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it might be so I I kind of love this movie, but I can't defend anything about its flaws because holy shit, it's barely trying. I knew that's where we were going to end up with you. I'm just like <laughs> I can't defend this, but I love it. <laughs> but it, there there is there is a unmistakable gorgeousness to it. Find me another film like this, especially mm. like shot mostly on location. And if I, that's I, I don't have many familial brushes with fame but my father worked in environmental florida politics and it's in the trivia that like they wanted to shoot a boat chase sequence through a manatee zone and uh i even read it in the imdb trivia like they had to have a financial stay from governor jeb bush because my dad's organization just like no (laughs) no you don't just because you have millions of dollars doesn't mean you get to film a boat chase through a manatee zone they're, Did they kill yeah. any manatees? No, what they had to do, and I, I don't know that they're not incorporated in the shot, because you can see where it happens in the canal. There's like 80 helicopters there. That is what they required them to do, is spend a couple extra million on extra helicopters, but not to look cool, to spot for manatees from the air <laughs> and uh, people with binoculars all over the place. Any sign of a manatee, shut it down. Everybody go home. Uh, there's, there will be no scene today. Uh, but yeah, like the governor had to intervene on behalf of them wanting to mow down manatees. Uh, <laughs> in, in order to let Somewhere them. with no manatees. Well, I think... There's not only a couple of places where there's manatees, right? No, no it, it sucks knowing as much about Florida because there's that scene like Martin Lawrence is like, not all of us have a trust fund like you. I'm like, you live on the water in Miami <laughs> in a multi-story house. That is a multi-million dollar house. You are a police <laughs> That's officer. That's just standard movie TV stuff. I don't Everyone know that it is. Giant... I don't know Everyone that it is. Everyone in movies and television shows. That they live on the purpose. water? Holy shit. Mm. <laughs> Holy shit. It's like, a, it's like ah, oh, yeah, busting my hump nine to five, making 30 grand a year, and he goes up to his Brooklyn walk-up with a pool in his <laughs> pull up on his <laughs> like no you're yeah anyway uh incongruous but it doesn't matter because it's michael bay and grandiosity is the fucking point and um i'm not sure i've seen him be allowed to let loose in this fun freewheeling kind of way will smith and to a much lesser extent martin lawrence there's a couple it, 
we'll talk about our movie in the next segment. Like, it's very weird to hire someone as funny as Martin Lawrence to rarely be funny. To to be this, uh, Will Smith gets to be cool and he gets to be scared, but that mm-hmm. can be funny and it is. I don't know. Like it's 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 so old school macho where he's like, I can't get my pee pee up and I'm going to therapy. Like, yeah, everyone your age should be doing should be having these experiencing these issues. It's not if you're weird. a cop, you should be in therapy. Exactly. There's no reason Period. Will Smith shouldn't be experiencing the exact same thing. Um, yes, and you've killed yeah. over 50 people. I counted or went to a website that counted them. Uh, and I, I should say that because I, JR, do you know the, the movie with the highest body count, I think, commercially released in theaters? Sure. It's one of yours. Return nope. of the King. <laughs> okay. Return that of the King. Fair. Over 800 yeah. people fall by the sword or the ghost. Most of those aren't people. <laughs> it's true. I said body. I said body. Body count uh, featuring Ice-T. Uh, moving on to 2003 uh, in television, July 14th to the 20th. Man, this really sets... A, th- all this will set an exact time period. Digimon Digital Monsters ends. It, uh, oh, uh, no. Yeah, Someone turned you know, off the mainframe. I was just too old to get into Pokemon and Digital Monsters was just like, that's that Pokemon ripoff. And everything online, right. I went, we're not the Pokemon ripoff. You're kind of the Pokemon ripoff. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You're the fucking Hydrox, even though I know Hydrox came first to Pokemon's Oreo. But yes, four strong seasons from the Digimons. Is that what you call Digimon plural? Probably not. Uh, Digimon? <laughs> Digimon? Digimon. For me, the only thing that lasts from this is the theme song. Digimon, digital monsters, Digimon are the champions. I've never seen the show. I can I, still recall that theme song. I am right there with you, man. I have no idea how I fucking know that. Uh, uh, debuting on NBC this week, a reality show that I don't think we have to describe at all. You, nope. Who wants to marry my dad? Uh, that's it. That's <laughs> yes. all you need to know about it. It stars you, you Kurt Russell. It. No, that would be interesting. <laughs> Uh, but basically, like the Bachelor, but the kids pick. Right. Great. Okay. Great. Uh, Great. Also, yeah. Ruin their lives too. Why don't you? Also on NBC debuting is the Resty Rant, um, which I would be mm. far more interested to know about. Having fallen in love with the bear so hard, please watch the bear. It's very good. Um, what's the restaurant about? A uh, reality TV show about God. a guy starting a restaurant Damn in New York I City. Knew it. I knew it. <laughs> uh, and the show I might have paid attention to if I had Cartoon Network. Teen Titans debuts on Cartoon Network. Not the funny so, one. Not the funny one. Damn. But but the funny they one's keep so much good. They keep Teen Titans has kept going with the same production team and staff, and the voice actors are the same in the funny and not funny ones. So they have. There have been people who've been working on Teen Titans shit for 20 years on Cartoon mm. Network, whose studio, by the way, just closed after uh, over 20 years. Huge tragedy, in my opinion. Don't like it. Doesn't bode well. Don't like the new Warner Brothers head guy. Don't care if they're going over the Warner Brothers studio. Ugh. So in a 2003 context, this just drops you right into the world of the Teen Titans. It doesn't hold your hand explaining anything to you. 
I'm not sure that's the wise way to go. You know, it's okay for Spider-Man with a giant movie and everyone knows Spider-Man's origin. You don't have to do it for the 27th time. Mm -hmm. Teen Titans, I feel, were kind of obscure in 2003. Uh, A little bit. Yeah, I mean, people know Robin, obviously. Mm -hmm. Maybe they know Cyborg or they can figure it out pretty quickly just by looking at him like, oh, okay, he's like a RoboCop. But I don't know what the rest of these guys are. Uh, but like, uh, more than anything, I see people cosplaying Raven nowadays. Um, it's, uh, but that's the 20 years that's yeah. the, she's been popular in the last oh, yeah, 20 yeah, yeah. years. Yeah. I, I didn't know. I personally don't know. Even Cyborg is a relatively new character at this point of Teen Titans production. Teen Titans had been a comic. I think Beast Boy was in it and I think Starfire was in it, but I'm not sure because I didn't dig that deep into DC's. <laughs> spinoffs of, of stuff. Uh, no, it seems like a bizarre thing to. Uh, well, if you if you remember that, but if you remember, they sort of took the Batman the Animated Series team, and they eventually made a Justice League cartoon on uh, Cartoon Network, which did well, but with who? Adults. Mm. So why don't yeah. we take this beloved IP and age it down to who we're actually going after? Who we can put? I don't. I, Yo-Yo Ball commercials. I did see a Yo-Yo Ball commercial on Cartoon Network in the last three years. Leave me alone. But but yes, the sell stuff to kids. And it, I I know there's a huge split in the community of like, after five seasons, it goes funny with the same cast. Like it becomes <laughs> fucking Looney Tunes with the same characters. And I know there's fans of this show that hate that. I love Teen Titans Go so much. I can't imagine going back to this and never have. So I So I won't. A Teen Titans, uh, happy 20th anniversary. Uh, and then, if this theme song means anything to you, you'll know what's debuting this week on Bravo. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> uh, yeah. Even my dog is into it, my big gay dog. I <laughs> can't say I was into it, but I can tell you, it was like the first episode Five gay guys kind of given guidelines to schlubby guys, which I'm way more up than I was 20 years ago. But I remember like, oh, honey, you don't know how to shave properly. And neither did I. And, <laughs> and I sort of learned watching an episode of Queer Eye because no one told me either. Hey, you just run a razor across it, right? Like there's grains, honey. Look, oh, oh, so much razor burn. Like, oh, that's why those are there. All right, no idea. Didn't Google it, didn't ask. Uh, queer Eye yeah. for the straight guy. Yeah, this is one of those things that even at the time people were like, oh, this is a step forward for, for gay folks. And you have to say, like, is it? Well, it's But it's excellent. also, it's also it's making excellent. Bravo into the gay channel. True. I would call this excellent sociological judo. Okay. Mm. What this is doing is it's saying, hey, if you're nice to us, straight men, <laughs> we will help get you laid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we won't be in competition <laughs> for any of that, huh? Look at, yeah, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, out of the that's running. true. Yeah. You know, you know why every woman has a gay best friend who's adorable? That could be you. But yeah. she sucks your dick sometimes. But you don't smell good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, almost spit, a spit take. Almost, almost. Gonna spit take out of Jr. Uh, yeah. That's, also, that's don't a... pre- don't pretend to be gay to get with chicks. That's weird. But yes. <laughs> um, we've but seen the that movie. Gang told me to do that. <laughs> no. 
Hey, look, my advice is to do everything the Bloodhound Gang says across history. (laughs) Uh Never get you in trouble. Right. Anyway, so, yeah, the idea of, like, here's a show starring a bunch of gay men giving advice to straight men, Mm -hmm. and no one's getting murdered is very nice. I mean, it's a huge thing for visibility and also showing, like, look, they're just guys. Gay guys are just guys. And, you know. They, they they have ups and downs and loves and losses and I you know they pick five people who are just like very very outgoing and fun and it does you know play into the stereotype of like gay guys care so much about fashion and mm-hmm. fine wines and you know uh, interior design and whatever but it's like yeah but I mean you could also have done this with five women and it wouldn't have been the same no that's no. why I thought it was to your comment earlier about the show there was a single season spinoff queer eye for the straight girl and like i don't think that's necessary because one like the only thing i can lament from being a straight white guy it's like weirdly harder to make like a big effort fat like fashionably like mm. to get gussied up for no reason or any reason well, really like when did the term metrosexual Breakout because I here. feel like this right around this, here. I thought I feel was... like this may have had a role in that becoming a thing. Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. Yes, men who care about what they look like. Oh no, it's not that I don't, Diana. It's just that I'm noticing it's going to take a lot more effort to polish this 43 year old turd than it used to. <laughs> yeah, no. My point is not for if they made over women. If you had five women making over straight guys. It wouldn't work in the same way. Yeah. No. It would feel like women were trying to change him and bossing him around and, and they're not letting him be him. That there would be a different context huh. to it as opposed to huh. these guys are trying to just improve what's there. And so many of the things they do, especially in the the more recent version, where it's like they've they've lowered the standards even more, which is like you're having people over and you want to serve them chips. Try putting them in a bowl. <laughs> it looks nicer. I, I, yeah, I gave my, my chip bowl became a communal pet bowl and I just threw it out. So I need to get another uh, one. Um, yeah. And just like, yeah, learn to shave, shave with the grain. Don't shave against the right. grain. You're going to fuck up your face. Yeah. Put on moisturizer. It doesn't make you gay. It makes you not bleed. I shave against the grain. I oh. like a deep, deep, smooth thing. So no, I, I go both ways, baby. I can't. I got, the, <laughs> I got that Italian hoss hair. Uh, there's, there's no getting through that that way. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's it, and also like um, I, I think diversity is an important, but it's also weird. In this, this capitalist society of ours, you have to demonstrate value, and I think to a lot of straight people. This kind of demonstrate. Oh, I can learn stuff from gay guys. Mm. Uh, yeah. it, but again, excellent in a 2003 standpoint. Yeah, it's it's not the world we live in today. It's the world they lived in at the time. Right. And more feelings of oneness and more feelings of this person is a useful ally. I think was important to change no, societal from norms. The starting of this show, we were in a homophobia is not only accepted, it's fine and sometimes appreciated in every movie. <laughs> and to hear, yeah. we're like 20 years on, cool, getting better. The song said yeah. it. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, about this time, about 61% of Americans disagreed with gay marriage. Wow. And yeah, that yeah, sounds about was, right. There was definitely critiques from the gay community and from other commentators saying, like, isn't this playing into stereotypes? Because, you know, these guys, especially someone like Carson Kressley, who's very extravagant, you know, it, it he does fall into some of these but stereotypes. They're on but that's, TV. They that's have just him. Be. And just the idea of them, you know, being they, they don't have inner lives mm. so much as they have. They they are here to be, you know. Magic gay guys instead of magic mm. Negroes. They don't have. It's about them helping the white guy, yeah, or straight guy That's in this case. Kind of what I was trying to say without sounding super uh, cis white about it, but yeah, it, and it's like yeah, and there's definitely a point there. There's there's probably a way we could you, you could be more mindful of that in the making of the show. And then what's a bummer for me though is I I really enjoyed watching Queer Eye. I got lots of interesting tips just for me out of it. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily for my man, just for me. Mm -hmm. But as it went on, it became I don't know. They got a lot of like celebrity endorsements and like fancy gifts to give away. And it's like it got more out of my re financial reach. Oh, well, okay. There's some episodes where they come in and they do what is at least a $10,000 <laughs> makeover to someone's apartment, at yeah. least, okay? And the message is, material things will make you happier and better. And for the vast majority of people, financially speaking, replacing the majority of stuff in their house mm. isn't doable, or nope. apartment. It's just, replace a couple things over time is the better, more realistic path towards uh, getting yourself a living environment that you want, but that's not good television. So they have to do yeah. the grand giant, huge Ooh, ah. scorched earth campaign, changing everything about your life all at once, which isn't how people generally change. No, especially your furniture. Mm -hmm. All my furniture looks like because it was made in different decades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would have been fun if they had a set budget where it's like the clothes budget is like $500. But they're going to blow way and past that. This was uh, too bo boring to include in news. There's two new, there were two news items. One, Apple 10 years ago had its biggest loss in the company history, like $117 million negative. Mm. Jump 10 years, guess what? IMAX, all that shit. Apple is $20 million in the black. Bravo announces like 10 years ago, eh, we think people are liking our uh, French movies about the end of the world enough and inside the actor's theater. We're going to increase Bravo to showing more than eight hours of programming. The channel just shut down <laughs> like after eight hours on weekdays. And this is Bravo's first big hit and in many ways would go on to define the channel. Mm -hmm. For yep. 20 years on. It, it The Bravo, it's, 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 this the most fun form of channel drift to me that it just it started out as prestige art and somehow was just like gay <laughs> gay men um yeah it became yes gay gay men and and the hags who love them yeah <laughs> and also million dollar listing and housewives and top chef <laughs> yes shahs of sunset and yeah yeah very different actually you know what no here's how i summarize it bravo there's the channel for catty bitches. 
Oh, uh, it's me, Sarah, is calling from the grave and telling me, <laughs> yes, everything she loves is on that channel. And <laughs> uh, But queer, happy, happy anniversary, Queer Eye. I was going to say all these guys became household names and I don't know any of them. But they did make, a t- they made appearances on everything I was watching through parody mm-hmm. or uh, and, and cameos. It was huge. It was out there. And then uh, uh, in terms of games, uh, I'm not sure you get Ooh. more beloved than this. Uh, oh, even one I know about. Yes. Yeah. Star, Tre- uh, Star Trek. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic for the Xbox. KOTOR, as some people call it. Um, I got lost in this, loved it, and then stopped playing it and was never able to pick it up again. And still haven't, even though it's been re-released very well across numerous platforms. Uh, but and yeah, they announced a remake in 2021, yeah. but that still hasn't. Yeah, that's not yeah. going great. Um, yeah, that's that's a, that's an uh, that's its own kind of train wreck. But it's a development. It, it doesn't speak anything about the quality of the game. And I think as far as original Star Wars game properties go, this has to be the biggest. The Old Republic is something yeah. people are demanding Disney tackle, which they have claimed they are because of the love for this game. That basically. I don't think I don't know the the developer Bioware means much now, but like it had redefined the Western RPG, and then is well, is still making is the MMO. The, this film, this uh, game, mm-hmm. is the grandfather of Mass Effect. This film yeah. is the grandfather yeah. of Dragon Age. It Perfect, is yeah. the Bioware model mm-hmm. uh, coming to birth before our eyes, and it's my great white whale of gaming. Yeah. I didn't have a good enough PC. I didn't own an Xbox, so I couldn't play it when it came out. And then by the time I upgraded, it'd been a little old. I never got around to it. But, you know, I was the biggest Star Wars fan in the world. Mm. And I kept hearing all these great things about it. And listeners, chime in. Should I play this in 2023 with no nostalgia for it? Mm. 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 Uh, I'm, hope, I'm hoping it seems, well, I was just going to, never mind. Yeah, Disney is trying to make it modernly playable as we speak and i'm sure that will happen to what effect i don't know uh but yes man yeah i i had a friend who was a huge star wars fan and he basically argued that in its own way this is the best movie yeah and i was like interesting interesting and it's like it's actually several movies because you can play through it and make different choices and it will affect everything of how how bad you get how good you get who you help who you hurt Mm-hmm. And that's why setting it thousands of years before the Battle of Yavin is such a smart move because they can just have the story go whatever direction they want and they don't have to worry about it being like, well, if that's true, then you move the uh, lug nut that C-3PO used to tighten on the <laughs> fastener in the uh, extended universe novel tw- 27. But uh, yeah, everything I've read says this captures the feel of Star Wars like nothing else had since the original trilogy. And if you disappear, and even today, into channels where people are still having best Star Wars character moments or characters, this comes up. This this is as beloved as as some of the movies in terms of what happens in the story and who it happens to. So, yeah. Uh, and it also, once the sequel came out, I got to write the headline, Welcome Back KOTOR, like 80 times, and I never got tired of it. Never. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but that about concludes the uh, the 03s. 
So who's taking us out? Why, none other than Lil' Kim featuring 50 Cent uh, with Magic Stick. It's on the charts this week. But don't go anywhere. We got one more uh, segment left in the chamber, 2013. Woo, a lot of movies. Stay right there. I'm a freak to the core, get a dose once, you gon' want some more My tongue touch your girl, your toes bound to curl This exclusive stick, I don't share with the world I had y'all up early in the morning, morning That shot, proper the low, can't stop us Been a fiend for this, is rockin' me Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watch. And for July 14th through 20th, yep, we've got one big recommend and then a couple things I'm just going to mention. But let's start with the big recommend, which is turning 75 this week. The film Key Largo from 1948. Solid-ass gangster noir directed by uh, John Huston, co-written by him, based on a play by Maxwell Anderson, starring uh, Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall, Edward G. Robinson... Claire Trevor won an Oscar for it. Lionel Barrymore. Oh, this is such a, like, pot boiler. Like, the only thing I can call this is a pot boiler. Because it's about, like, this war widow and, like, her father-in-law who uses a wheelchair. And they run this little hotel in Key Largo, Florida. And, like, their uh, husband's war buddy shows up. And it's Humphrey Bogart. And, like, they feel really awkward because, you know, he came back and the other guy didn't. And then uh, there's a big hurricane coming. And there's a gangster staying there and the gangster basically takes everyone hostage and it's so cool because it's edward g robinson just edward g robinson it up the most even outside of other gangster films he did it's just like really he's got that cigar he's telling everyone off he's being a giant dick and there's like you know some seminole indians you know need to take shelter there and he like tells yeah go away and he's got a drunk girlfriend who's just falling apart under all the strain already and he treats her like crap and you like waiting for her to turn it around and maybe kick his ass so yeah key largo pot boiler tense thrilling mostly in one location all these people playing off each other total recommend and then turning 40 this week a movie i i don't like recommending woody allen movies anymore for obvious reasons uh i know there's no ethical consumption in capitalism and that's why you should steal zelig from 1983 because it's a dang good movie Ah, uh, it depresses me to bring this up. But yeah, uh, Zelig turning 40 this week. It is a mockumentary about this guy who, because he has no self-esteem and no personality, he just takes on the personality of people around him. And that makes him so ingratiating that he ends up like hanging out with all these super famous people in the 20s. And so it's this documentary looking back on, you know, him hanging out with uh, Babe Ruth or with uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Or, you know, all this other stuff. And it's done with pretty neat special effects for the time of just being able to edit him into uh, historical footage. So it's really, it came up a lot. We're probably going to talk about it next year when we talk about Forrest Gump. It came up a lot as being like, yeah, it's the Forrest Gump before Forrest Gump. When you talk about someone being a Zelig character, it's someone who's everywhere in history. He just pops up over and over and over. And you're like, who the hell was that guy? Usually it turns out he was just a cool hang. Yeah, you know, that shows up a lot of like writers or whatever, mini actresses, actresses that didn't have much fame, but like they show up in every photo of famous people. And you're like, who is that? Well, it's like a Zelig guy. And then one of my favorite uh, question mark bad movies of all time, also turning forward this week, Staying Alive, up there with Weekend at Bernie's as being a film that doesn't need to exist with a sequel. 
staying alive is the sequel to Saturday Night Fever, directed by Sylvester Stallone for some reason. And he's fine. He's actually he's a pretty good director. But it's now now Tony Manero wants to be a Broadway dancer. So there's a bunch of, you know, chorus line kind of stuff. And then, like, people being mean to him and him trying really hard. And then there's a big final dance number. And it's uh, it's got Far From Over, the song with Frank Stallone, which you totally will recognize, um, <laughs> I think, as the male-synchronized swimming music from SNL <laughs> from way back in the day. It's just a great 80s dramatic song. But Staying Alive, it has a zero on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> which is completely deserved. But I'll say one nice thing. Stallone apparently gave Travolta a workout regimen because he is, I don't know if a human has ever looked in more peak physical condition. He looks amazing. But in Saturday Night Fever, Tony Manero is kind of a dickhead, but then he has a conscience. This one, he kind of doesn't. He's just a dick the entire movie for no reason. And you hate him. And then the movie is over right after he disrespects that white disco suit in a very 80s way and i'm so uncomfortable with it so yeah you want a good what the fuck am i watching right now good bad movie staying alive from 1983 total recommend on that front it's uh it's hot trash and it shouldn't exist but at least you can laugh at it thanks steve and then finally big historic date this week Unfortunately, July 20th, 1973, over in the Kowloon in Hong Kong, Bruce Lee passed away under strange circumstances. Uh, there have been, you know, conspiracy theories for a billion, jillion years. I mean, some of it might have just been a man worked himself to death. Uh, so, that, yeah, 50th anniversary of Bruce Lee passing away. He was all of 32 years old. And, my God, like, how do you accomplish that much stuff? It's just such a short period. I mean, his, his movie career is seriously like a couple of years. <laughs> That's, that is it. I mean, it's like a James Dean level, like, he's here, he's gone, and we're going to feel it forever. So, yeah, absolutely in honor of Bruce Lee this week, go watch a Bruce Lee movie. Fist of Fury, Enter the Dragon, uh, go to YouTube and look up Game of Death footage. That's what he was working on uh, when he passed away. The producers, like, they grave robbed they used that footage and released a full movie of game of death with like a double pretending to be bruce lee and i think they used like a photo from his actual funeral it's fucking repulsive but if you go on youtube and just watch the fight scenes that are there oh my god he he fights kareem abdul jabbar and bruce lee was not a big guy he's a little short guy and kareem is like seven feet tall and it is why did no one else make stuff like this ever again? Because I, I don't understand. But yeah, he trained Kareem in martial arts, and they have this fucking cool fight, and it's a shame we don't get to see what the movie ended up being. So, yeah. R.I.P. Bruce Lee, you kick some ass. Kato was always better than the Green Hornet, and everyone knew it. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming to 2013 with Come and Get It by Selena Gomez off of Stars Dance. Uh, that is out this week. Welcome to 2013. Ten years later, 
or 10 years uh, ten years in the past, 10 years in the future from 2003. It's confusing. Just to say 10 years ago. The 10 and 30 2010. Other new releases to accompany our uh, star of uh, Only Murders in the Building. Uh, Love Never uh, Fails. And not wait for that next season. Oh, my God. That show's so good. Uh, Love Never Fails by... Would... Sorry, I've never seen it. Is it a good to just jump in? With my wife, you think? Is it a good uh, start at the beginning? Thing? It's not that it's not that oh. long. It's and it's yeah, half hour, absolutely. so yeah, great, great for binging. You can just jump in at the beginning because each each season is you know a murder mystery. So your wife will love it. Cool. I can say that knowing yeah, very little about her, she just will. Yeah, it's adorable. <laughs> I love it. Uh, other new releases include "Love Never Fails" by J. Mene Douglas. J. Mene Douglas. I wrote it out phonetically, phonetically for you, and you still dummy. got it wrong. I did. Jamene. 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 Jean Benet, Ramsey Douglas. Uh, that is out this week. Uh, Where Does This Door Go by Mayor Hawthorne. Great album title. White Teeth, Black Thoughts by Cherry Pop and Daddies. Oh, nothing about those words will ever come back to haunt them. Trials and Tribulations by Ace Hood. Electric by the Pet Shop Boys. And Andy and His Grandmother, an album of recordings by Andy Kaufman. He planned on making into an album, including him talking about faking his own death. Mm. Mm-hmm. God, I wish I could still believe Andy Kaufman was still alive. Because even if he yeah. faked his death, he, he'd be dead. <laughs> he'd most likely <laughs> pretty, be dead. Pretty good chance, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blurred Lines featuring Robin th- uh, by Robin Thicke featuring T.I. and Pharrell. So number one. God, I can just go nah. a sound effect that says that. A um, little bit of news to bring you the wonderful wild world of 10 years ago. The city of Detroit files for bankruptcy, becoming the largest mm-hmm. U.S. municipal bankruptcy ever at $18.5 billion. So... Similar with 9-11 and the terrorist things that happened after it, the 2008 financial crisis, long younger listeners, Mm -hmm. there was all these fears for like, I would say a good five, six, seven years afterwards, Mm because all these governments were getting into trouble. And it was like, is this going to cause another ripple effect that is going to cause another crash? And are we going to go from the Great Recession to the Great Depression? No, but we didn't know that at the time. And yeah. yeah. Largest bankruptcy of any city in the entire U.S.'s history. And the news was not good for Detroit as as you listen to this. Now the homicide rate is at its highest in 40 years. Dubbed Murder City with 78,000 abandoned buildings. 63% of its population gone. So empty the city of Paris could fit inside the vacant space. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So how can yeah. are you? We're about a Paris, you know. <laughs> we hope we hope to avoid becoming Berlin vacant, but right now we're Paris vacant. Uh, was yeah. this the same era where there was like you can buy a house for a dollar? Um, oh yeah, and you can yeah, still no. do that. Mm. Yeah, you, you you still can. I mean, it's part of the problem is that the city of Detroit has the space for two million people that it used to have two million people, and then the breakdown of the auto industry, white flight, all kinds of things. That yeah, two thirds of the city is now vacant. Mm. It doesn't have the population anymore. And you still got to maintain all those ass roads and all the power and the sewage and people are just spread out. And there've been all kinds of plans of like, let's try to get everyone to move closer to the middle (laughs) so we can just not have all this. And like, and and there's maintenance. You got to tear down broken ass buildings. They're they're dangerous. So just imagine if your house, Chris, no one touched it for 13 years. What would it be like at that point? Getting close. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I need, need, need a queer eye guy to come over and get me some furniture finally. Yeah, it looked pretty yeah. empty. So, a lot of cat yeah. here. Yeah, it is pretty rough. And so they just, a lot of it was debt obligations and like 
old pension obligations wow. and stuff you just can't get rid of and there was talk of like should we start selling off art from the museum like maybe that would raise some money like oh you're dismantling your city yeah but because yeah uh, mo that's the people who were actually hardest hit the pensioners got crushed in the mm. bankruptcy because when mm. you go bankrupt you right. say i can't pay you all back so someone's gonna get screwed yeah mm. how about you want it like 20 cents on the dollar maybe like that's the best i can do it's better than nothing yeah and yeah that, that's what yeah, they had to do you had a whole bunch of people who worked their entire life for the city and was going well the pay's not great but i'll get a pension for the rest of my life and eh, not mm. really mm. sucks to think about hope they bounced back a little i always Feel like I mean, I, they're I, not bankrupt anymore. I, usually, the only time I read about Detroit now, it is a more positive story than it was ten years ago. So um, this is probably their low point. Yeah. Honestly, this is this is probably the worst they ever were. And that's yeah. that's the movie where RoboCop took place. So <laughs> Jesus Christ. <Yeah. laughs> Speaking of movies, movies of 2013, 10 years ago, July fourteenth to the twentieth, we have many, uh, including this Ryan Gosling one. I meant to see with Kristen Scott Thomas and a name that is not phonetically spelled out. Vithya Pensringham. Pensringham. Only God forgives. Yeah, it's a Nicholas Wending Rufin exactly. joint, which and means it's going to be real slow, but also kind of freak you out. I, I've loved a few movies more in a rewatch than Drive d doing this show. And I was like, mm. I'm going to watch everything this guy does. And then I read about him, like, criticizes being very dire, slow, and just uh, uh, haunting. Like, okay, when am I going to be in the mood for that? Yeah, this one is dire and slow. I'll <laughs> give him that one. I would still recommend it, though. Yeah. Again, yeah. I was yeah. in the right mood for it, you know, after Bad Boys 2. <laughs> I, 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 I needed some adult food, okay? I was just, like, <laughs> stuffed with three pounds of cotton candy and i was like oh my gosh is that a vegetable i need it and <laughs> only god forgives is really well done vegetables mm. okay it is absolutely a metaphor i diana do you see it um well i mean i was i don't know because i have i have conflicting thoughts about this movie where i i found it very compelling and yet i found the characters very empty but yes if they're a metaphor then okay i what metaphor are you thinking? So only God forgives. The Thai police officer is literally God. Oh, okay. I am going to have to think about this. That is very interesting because the plot of the movie is Ryan Gosling and his brother run a gym in Thailand. And his brother is a straight up piece of shit and wants to get an underage sex worker. And there's a big foo and he ends up killing a girl. And then her dad comes and kills him which seems like we're square now right and then right. but then the, the cop shows up and is like okay i let you kill the motherfucker what killed your daughter but you, i'm gonna take your arm for that i was like then we're square and it seems like that would kind of be justice everyone would be square but ryan gosling and his mother especially his mother are like we need revenge yeah and uh yeah i i thought if you come at it from that standpoint i think it absolutely works i think it's some good acting on ryan's part i think he does that role well if you consider the fact that maybe he's not really a person so much as he is an idea or a force because there is very little dialogue in this i was film. gonna say if it's it a, is <laughs> ryan gosling sitting it there is. staring at the ground yeah a lot yeah. of that a lot <laughs> yep. of that but it does a really good job of tackling scuzz 
Okay. I don't mm. hang out in scuzzy areas. It's not my thing. It's not what I feel comfortable with. But when I vacationed in Thailand, it's really hard to escape the scuzzy areas because they're just like a lot of them there. And it mm. really brings you into that world where you just feel dirty walking down a street. Yeah. The If I had to summarize the look of the movie, it would be neon reflected on a damp street. Like that's... <laughs> The feel. And that's what part of Wending Riffin's thing is that, you know, he is, is he's always kind of visually immaculate. And this has a very distinctive look that you've, you've seen ripped off actually a couple times now. Like Atomic Blonde has some sequences that I'm just like, did you just, did you just steal this room? You just, you really like that lighting, huh? You got that bisexual lighting of the really strong blues and pinks and neons. Okay. But yeah, I, it split a lot of people. A lot of people were like, but I, horrible things are happening, but I don't care because I don't care about the characters. And I can understand that because they're, you, they're, they're kind of inexplicable. Like they're just dedicated to, well, we need revenge. And it's like, do you though? <laughs> like Kristen Scott Thomas is like single-minded and brutal as a person. No, you should just kill everybody. I'm like, should you though? <laughs> what do you gain from any of this? Like, is your life any better? Is that justice? Uh, yeah. But no, overall, I, I would recommend it, but it's definitely not for everybody. Ooh. But then a lot of people said the same thing about Driver. They were like, nothing's happening. Like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. No, it's not. I, all right. Listeners, if you have a problem with ick, cover your eyes for the next stomach. There's mm -hmm. a scene when he cuts his mom open and Ooh. he doesn't reach into her stomach. He reaches into her uterus. Mm. there's something going on there okay it's definitely mm. uh trying to be very symbolic symbolism yeah well oh. yeah yeah there actually there's a fair amount of ick in this movie honestly yeah it's, yeah well that's the ickiest hate to move moving it, on move it along so move many on movies. to something way lighter darren chris christopher fitzgerald matt dylan Annette bending and Kristen wig and girl most likely uh, uh. i I was hopeful about this. Then I read the reviews and I ran out of time because <coughs> yeah. it is made by the folks who did American Splendor, which is amazing. A fun movie about a loser. And this sounds like this should be a fun movie about a loser. And every review used the word sitcom. And I was like, Ooh. shit, because mm. it's about Kristen Wiig wants to be a playwright. Her fancy boyfriend leaves her and she fakes a suicide attempt <laughs> to like get his attention. Audience. But then, yeah, <laughs> then gets hospitalized and then put in the care of her mom Annette Benning who's a, a pain oh I, damn it I, oh. and uh, yeah just, it sounds like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't which fair fair enough and but if I want to see Christian wig hitting rock bottom in a funny way I'm probably just gonna watch Bridesmaids again that's rock bottom for you doing better than well, me well <laughs> just move in with her mom with all her weird celebrity paintings uh, i'm not almost there but not quite um yeah man there were a lot of movies i finally had to like cross off my list and i'm not sure i had a great time with this <laughs> felt like work uh-huh robert this movie robert nepper or james hong that's some yeah. great casting though Guts is Mike O'Malley, <laughs> Marissa Miller, Mary Louise Parker, Stephanie Shostak, Kevin Bacon, and Jeff Bridges, and Ryan Reynolds. Ha-ha, here come the R.I.P.D. It's R.I.P.D. We are the greatest lawmen that ever lived and died. I'm dead. This will tickle a bit. Welcome to the R.I.P.D. Come on, Got you some new idea. You don't look like you anymore. I'm an old Chinese guy. What about you? 
Well, I guess you win, Roy. This world's for the living, and R.I.P.D. is gonna keep it that way. Okay. R.I.P.D. We're pretty durable. Still hurts. Ooh, man. Yeah, this, yeah, felt like work. Just the perfect embodiment of, like, this is C-minus soulless. And just, like, holy shit. Why would it take you this long to capitalize on Men in Black so blatantly? Yeah. It, it really, there's no other, and I looked into the comic book this is based on, no one knows about like it's it is it, it, it's it's not even red ink on Wikipedia like uh, and, and the guy who wrote it is like the showrunner for every CBS reboot that's on right now Magnum PI Hawaii Five O he came up with a comic and it it is Men in Black with the afterlife but like it should be more interesting than that because every single thing they hunt instead of diverse aliens in disguise everybody looks. Like a boomer from Left for Dead, giant <laughs> fat zombie. That is it, and it's it. It doesn't need to look real, but it's like it's also not trying to look good effects wise. Those creatures. The other, it is kind of a beautifully shot movie. I don't know. I don't know what to say about this. I. This is the most face value film I've seen in a long time because there's nothing going on underneath it. It's completely tell not show. I mean, your high concept should be interesting but they don't do it in an interesting manner they just have jeff bridges give a very dull expo dump and that's it okay yeah uh, when when he's going to see his wife after he died that should be a incredibly moving moment and they should fill it with risk they should have it be like against the rules to go see your ex-wife and he's uh, breaking out of the RIPD's department because it's so important to them. And then it goes horribly wrong and he realized there is a reason for the RIPD rules. That would be filmmaking 101, but they don't. There's nothing there. There was a, it, The only time I laughed in the film, he made fun of him for doing that at the funeral. And he's like, I couldn't, you talked over my entire funeral. And I, uh, I, it was because... My big thing was like, I guess I, I, I like Ryan Reynolds in roles where I feel like he's funny and improvising. And I hate when he pretends to be a leading man and that he is like, <laughs> not... it took him so long to find roles that fit him. Right. I mean, he was just Hollywood was giving him chance after chance. You know, this he's in two movies this week that I feel like don't work with him. And every time I see him now, you get a little excited. He's going to improv. He's going to say something you don't expect. None of that happens here. He's not funny in the slightest. Jeff Bridges has all the funny, who they said was a last minute replacement for Zach Galifianakis. I'm like, are you sure? I saw the comic on which this is based. This is very clearly an old cowboy. (laughs) Just having the beard. (laughs) Jeff Bridges' character was one of the few mildly interesting things I found in him because the go-to thing would be to have this cowboy be, you know, incredibly racist and sexist, but he's actually learned something over his 150 years of being dead. And he's like, uh, and being a pretty woman (laughs) and being a pretty woman, you know, people go on a hit on him and he's like, how dare you treat me like a piece of meat, you know? (laughs) And, and like, yeah, he, you like wait for him to say something, but it's so weird because it's like, what if they gave all the funny lines to Tommy Lee Jones and men in black and Will Smith was never funny. People are always comparing this film to men in black. Specifically, they say (laughs) men in black was good in comparison to this film, which was bad. I think Men in Black should sue this movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's so close. But I mean, yeah, the basic idea: what if ghosts were Ghostbusters? Okay, that's fine. Not. that's they fine. They only and, hunt and... the wonderfully creatively titled 
deados. The deados. The deados. Like, do we have do we have to finalize this term today? Like, let's take some time on this. The deados. Deados. Every time Jeff Bridges has to say that, like, my heart breaks a little bit. Oh. And and yeah, he's just constantly like yelling exposition (laughs) and and we find out oh how do you figure out if someone's you know possessed by a dedo they don't like cumin so you you throw a bunch of indian food at them huh is this supposed to be funny i don't made me hungry see how you're being funny yeah like did you make a gag out of that i don't know it's no so much of it is just baffling like what 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 is this job i don't understand this job and like there's a thing where he loses his hat he gets his hat back is your hat dead like you appear to everyone else as a sexy woman where's your hat i i know that is a really really dumb nitpick but they actually spend a lot of time on his hat (laughs) they really do so it just made me start thinking and thinking more and more about like wait but you're not wearing a hat as a sexy woman but then they give you one and you put it on why isn't your sexy woman wearing a hat now Think of all of the different uh, body swap job things you could do of uh, a sexy woman and James Hong wandering around being cops. It's just no. like this is this is already such a derivative premise, and I feel like they almost could have scored with their given ingredients. But it is like competent but unwatchable, like just just unrecommendable. It, oh, I hate it. Yeah, I hate it. Why I did it get thought, a sequel? Uh, direct to video sequel again. That that's still that. I guess recognizable name, yeah. but this lost a ton of money. Any IP is better than no IP. I hate that yeah. at shorthand, but like, yeah, this lo- this is one of the biggest bombs of the year. And well, Lone Ranger, <laughs> but, yeah. but uh, oh, this seems to be Lord. using the same color palette for the most part. The effects and like the monstery designs look so bad. Yeah. So like they they look like uh, cartoons come to life. So you can't feel any sort of threat by oh no the big fat guy is running around and he's gonna throw a car i don't care he's not there none of this is there and and to remind folks who've been listening for were you watching men in black three like a year or two ago that was the thing that like man marvel effects are really shitty this like men in black three looks the stuff in this movie looks great i didn't realize how shitty the stuff and i knew it always rubbed me the wrong way but like yeah they, they, they are pulling pulling some punches on the uh on the effects here, anyway. Yeah, but R.I.P.D. Oh, yeah, just just not. Man, awful. yeah, it's it's one of the the more the worst time, one of the more bad times I've had watching something blind that I've never seen. Which is why I didn't watch the next movie because <laughs> I'm not. I just couldn't do it after Bad Boys Two. R.I.P.D. Even though, yeah, it's one of two movies where Ryan Reynolds like. This isn't the Ryan Reynolds I want. He's in two movies this week. We'll get to it. David Dwellis, Anthony Hopkins, Neil McDonough, Carl Urban, Bung Hung Lee, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Mary Louise Parker. Was she is she in both of these? Yes. Yeah. Helen oh, Mirren. yeah. We got we got a couple guys doing two for this week. Yeah. We're going to talk about Ryan Reynolds again in a minute. Helen Mirren, John Malkovich, and Bruce Willis in Red 2. They're ex-CIA. You haven't killed anybody in months. That's a positive thing. But saving the world. The U.S. seems to think a nuclear terrorist. Never gets old. Ready? Absolutely. On July 19th, they're still retired and extremely dangerous. I've never heard of you. Must have been a bit before my time. Well, you've heard of me now. Red 2. Oh, Red 2. Uh, anybody? Uh, so, <laughs> we yeah. Can, we can skip this one if you want. No, because actually <laughs> I, I, I was pleasantly surprised by a lot of it, mm-hmm. but this is much closer to 
this is the kind of brain dead popcorn that I'm looking for compared to the excesses of Bad Boys 2. Mm, and that Red 2 is, yeah, it's kind of a big dumb spy movie. Okay, whatever. It keeps moving. It is not two and a half hours long. And, uh, you know, it's got one or two twists that like, oh, I didn't see that coming. That's actually kind of clever. That was almost clever, everybody. Good for you. And, and people seem like they're having a good time. Like the tone is comparatively pretty light mm. yeah this is the action movie that i saw that i was like okay fine i guess i'm not off action movies for the rest of my life thanks to bad boys too it was competently well done very fast moving i like the characters i like seeing these characters I, be old i don't know mm-hmm. the premise of red one <laughs> i don't know either yeah. i've never seen red one but i could oh. jump into this very easily and just real quick I am so happy to have an old protagonist who doesn't hate life. That seems like, (laughs) you know, the modern trend of the last like five years has been we're bringing back your favorite character that you love from their childhood. And boy, do they wish they were dead. Everybody's (laughs) playing Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon, which I love the Internet keeps pointing out. He was 39 when he was too old for that shit too old. Oh my god. Yeah, no, it's the the premise of, of the first red which I think this is another comic book. Good lord. Yeah, yeah another comic, comic book, book adaptation. They're all like ex-CIA assassins who've retired and then they have to, you know, break out of their cover story lives and and deal with all this, you know, crazy shit, which is fine, you know. I mean, watching Helen Mirren beat people up is always going to be enjoyable. Yeah. We got John Malkovich again. Just being like, all right, fine, whatever. Oh, I didn't mention before we were talking about Johnny English. I think one of the things that helps that is it's co-written by the guys who were writing all the James Bond movies at the time. Oh. So they know what they're doing already. Mm. This is not written by people who are writing other spy movies. But I do have to give a shout out to the director, uh, Dean Parasote, who deserves to have a better career because he did Galaxy Quest. And Galaxy Quest uh, is amazing. That is awesome. That TV show still moving forward? What the fuck? Would love to see more Galaxy Quest. Don't know. So yeah, if you want again, kind of brain dead entertainment, but at least it's entertaining. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's like a light recommend for Red Two. I think it's just in comparison to everything else. Mm. (laughs) As I don't like the rest of these movies. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I couldn't figure out how to finish the next one. Samuel Jackson, Snoop Dogg, Kurtwood Smith, ooh, Kurtwood Bitches Leave Smith, uh, Ben Schwartz, Maya Rudolph, Michelle Rodriguez, Ked Jung, Richard Jennings, Bill Hader, Luis Guzman, Michael Pena, Paul Giamani, and Ryan Reynolds again in Turbo. My name is Turbo. I just want to go a little faster. 17 minutes. That's a new record. I wish I was fast. An accident made him fast. Oh, no. But he'll need a team to chase his dream. Hey. You robot? From the creators of Madagascar, Ryan Reynolds. I'm never going slow again! Snoop Dogg. Time to pimp your shit. And Samuel L. Jackson. I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear that. DreamWorks Turbo. Don't test me, Crow! Turbo. Uh, (laughs) There's plenty to like, but it's just still like, this should be way funnier with everyone involved. And it is just like, first pass... Aren't you supposed to hire comedians to do different drafts on this? I forgot that this was like an official DreamWorks release. Mm-hmm. I thought this was maybe an independent film because mm. it doesn't quite have some of that. That It has the DreamWorks sassiness for you, but it doesn't have like the heart that they have managed to get into their films yeah. as well. 
And just, the, I, I don't fault the premise at all, because I was baffled, like, how does this work? This snail wants to be a Indy 500 racer, and then is sucked into a car and gets its abilities. And I don't need to ask a lot of questions here. That's fine with me, but it, it feels like a Pixar story that needed another couple years in the oven. And mm. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't, like, after a while, I'm like, this is never going to grow on me. I'm just going to stop watching this. I don't want to shit on Turbo. But I don't know. Anybody else? Turbo? 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 going once? Shouldn't, I mean, I understand that nothing in the rules says a snail can't race in the Indy 500. <laughs> true, true. But shouldn't he be in a car? <laughs> I mean, it's a race of cars. <laughs> this is true. If he could drive, then... He, of course, let him drive. Yeah, yeah, but he can't because yeah. he didn't. The car didn't imbue him with arms. <laughs> right, he's as fast as a car. Oh my! But God. he's not a car. <laughs> it's so. It's I don't like, know. Yeah, I he feel pulls like... over. He pulls over to do pit stops, and I'm like, why? You need a drink or what, buddy? I feel like such a curmudgeon shitting on a movie like this. It's obviously not for me, and it has its moments. But again, it's it, Ryan Reynolds, the most gifted guy with being funny with his voice, just like, all this dialogue is utilitarian. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be something someday. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. I'm not just saying about it, damn it. Yeah, I don't know. So we know as an audience, and maybe something interesting will happen. It's uh, eh, towards yeah. the bottom in the Rotten Tomatoes ranking of DreamWorks films. I'd say it wasn't revisited. I know it got a show on Netflix when they had, but it like it was one of the shows that was clearly greenlit before the movie was out. So I don't know what the long tail interest is in Turbo. I don't want to get a bunch of upset Turbo fans sending me uh, messages on Threads or Blue Sky and all these other places <laughs> where I'm not at. But Turbo, very meh for me. Ryan Reynolds, yeah. two whiffs this week. Weird. But then lastly, we have out of nowhere a dark horse. That I think costs like half of every movie we've talked about and blows them all out of the water. You gotta love a story like it, that. It costs um twenty million. Like a fifth of what RIPD costs. <laughs> and is the linchpin in the highest grossing horror franchise of all time. What? That shocked me. I thought maybe Saw maybe had a chance at that one, but Mm-mm. That's unadjusted because nope. it's still Exorcist. It, you gonna count two and three and three and a half? No, on Exorcist that one, one alone had made I think over two a billion dollars unadjusted through re-releases and whatnot. Yeah, eight uh, movies in ten years, two point one billion dollars. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Wow. Uh, Joy King, Mackenzie Foy, Shannon Cook, uh, Lily Taylor, Ron Livingston, Vera Farmiga, Patrick Wilson. It's number one, baby. The Conjuring. What are you guys? We've been called demonologists, paranormal researchers. They've investigated the Amityville Horror and the Haunting in Connecticut. On July 19th, their most terrifying case. There's a lady in a dirty nightgown that I see in my dreams. Begins. Look what she made me do. The Conjuring. The Conjuring! We welcome Annabelle. We welcome you uh, to our horror pantheon. And I've I've sort of felt like I've enjoyed this from afar, but I realized once again I've tried to start this franchise like six times. I bought it. I'd like ah, where am I? Now? Where is this streaming? I already bought it on Amazon. <laughs> and there is just something about this movie that rubs me the wrong way. We did a whole laser time about the Warrens, the mm. people's world that comes from these. 
I'm going to make the biggest air quotes I can when I say based on a true story, because these people <laughs> are liars and grifters. All right. I, I want to get into this real quick. Yes. When yep. it comes to supernatural horror films, I can accept anything. Me you know, too. You, your demonic doll comes to life and attacks a child due to voodoo magic. Right. Sure. I can absolutely go. What do we say about Sinister? Do we ever question its logic? No. Bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. That movie terrified me. The second you put on, based on a true story, in your intro, JR puts his uh, (laughs) arms together, frowns, and goes, Well, obviously they're lying about that. That didn't happen. Yeah. I don't believe you. I don't believe you, movie. That was like that the whole time. Like, because, like, Blair Witch, love it. Like, I've watched, like, I'm not a Christian, but I'll be deeply moved when Jesus shows up and Ben-Hur, or a small one. Oh, my God. Will that bring me to tears? But something about knowing that these people are lying grifters and the movie is making heroes out of them, like, really rubs me. Any college students have any questions for these clear, uh, self-professed demonologist clairvoyants with zero accreditation and no one yet to look into their debauchery? No, nothing. Premise of the movie keeps on going. And, and I think it is, if you're in the right mood, very scary throughout the, the beginning of the film. But I just, right. something about it, like, I don't, it's not that I can't buy into the premise of what's happening. I just don't want to. Because the, like these people ruin because, lives. <laughs> yeah, because of the based on the true story, yeah. these people are lying mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I I agree. But if you're into that sort of thing, right. and you can pretend that this is real. Does that make it better? Is it scarier? <sighs> well, yes, I would say that. Uh, for example, The Exorcist is the highest growth scene horror movie of all time, or yeah. it was for a long time. Mm-hmm. Because a huge percentage of its viewership believed that was possible. They believed mm-hmm. that was something that could really happen. And that just hijacks your brain where it's not just I'm watching make-believe. It's I'm watching something that could actually happen. So if you like grifters who are taking <laughs> advantage of people's gullibility, this is a great film for you. Enjoy it to your heart's content. Just the film presents them as so authentic. Like, yeah, this is where we keep our rube of haunted dolls. Don't touch them. (laughs) Don't touch them. Really? Do we want to explore any of this logic further? Right. And (laughs) I've never done a exorcism because you have to be a Catholic priest. But the Catholic Church trust me and gave me this certificate of awesomeness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Also, Catholicism is right. And it, yep. in its current form, not, you know, 2,000 years worth of changes have not affected its <laughs> rightness. Definitely not. Uh, yes. I mean, what's the, the basic premise here is the, they're, you know, they're paranormal investigators and weird shit's happening at a house and a kid gets possessed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's, that's cool. And then they, and then there's exorcisms. But it okay. is, it is every time, like when I forget about the Warrens and we're just at the house, it feels kind of good. And then the Warrens okay. come up, and I'm just like, man, shit. <laughs> I've read way too much about their Amityville nonsense, uh, mm. which really ruined the value of that home. That's the most important takeaway. And, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that, one, that one annoys me more because it's exploiting an actual murder that mm-hmm. happened and, and blaming it on spookiness. But yeah, The Conjuring is obviously a huge hit and massive you know, hit. And they, they can't make them fast enough, which is why they yep. immediately head into prequel territory. Yep. Go straight into Annabelle. They'll be out for Halloween next year. And then I still can't get over the title. The most recent one from 2021, Conjuring yeah. the Devil Made Me Do It. <laughs> is that real? <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah. real title. And it just kills me 
every time. I'm not even that. I'm not old enough to have watched Flip Wilson's show in its original run, but I did have Nick at night and I did watch it there. <laughs> and every time I hear Flip Wilson as Geraldine, the devil made me do it. Well, so looking at the Conjuring timeline, mm-hmm. all uh, the events take place between 1952 and 1981, conveniently stopping when the age of the VHS home recorder has started <laughs> uh, so that someone could have taken proof of this. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that a huge bummer? I used to love those unsolved mysteries. Is this a ghost in the video? No, you record it over the same film every night. That's why there's still people <laughs> in this image. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. I, well, is it a moth ghost, maybe? Because yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a moth. Yeah. I just watched too many documentaries about the war. There's just, oh, I want to get into it. Maybe uh, I'll try Annabelle out because, you know. Mm. That that may predate the Warrens' existence. I don't know. Like, there's so much mm, spooky shit to watch that I've enjoyed true. more than this. And man, got to get to Evil Dead Rise. Holy shit! Cannot wait. Ooh. Moving into television of 2013, July 14th through through, through the 20th, uh, the Haunted Hath- Hathaways debuts on Nickelodeon. Thank God. There's a theme yeah. song that tells me what's going on. Yep, you don't have to research this Nickelodeon show. Thank Just you. listen to the theme song. Peanut in the credits. That was so. <laughs> that's yeah, the name you wanted. Theme songs by Adam Schlesinger again for Fountains Away. Brought him up a couple times because he he can do anything in any style. R.I.P. But a a, a uh, live action sitcom with a spooky Nickelodeon setting. Are you afraid of the dark? This is not show sort of terrified me sometimes what is with the spooky stuff coming out for kids this early seriously and uh, once again and once again in kids entertainment a title that explains everything i love that i remember theorizing at the time this is disney trying to ruin the seo of everything that was once described this way after high school musical you get teen beach movie <laughs> suck it in that fun cello no one will ever find your movies ever again teen uh, beach movie. but yeah this is uh Young kids get teleported into a teen beach movie from the 1960s. And oh, okay, that's, yeah. a little that's more, way more fun. There's, premise. there's more there's fun that there. you could do that about like why is everyone's hair so big? Why would you wear giant hair like that to the beach and you can't get it wet ever? Why do people only <laughs> do that one dance where they put their toe out and just do the twist slowly? Mm-hmm. Uh, gross, but yeah, this was one of the most watched yeah. TV movies in all of Disney Channel history. I mean, wow. following up on the high school musical stuff. Yeah, capitalizing yeah. on and, that craze. Oh, yeah, it's a full-on musical. I'm seeing mm-hmm. a whole bunch of credited songs. Okay. I was yeah. there at D23 during its presentation because I couldn't leave my booth. Uh, <laughs> still makes me miserable just thinking about it. Something I did watch, and I want to say this is uh, Netflix, but it was probably still Crackle. Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, or as I call it, the most expensive podcast of all time. Like, and Jerry Seinfeld will maintain the cars and the coffee are so important. I maintain it is not. And I would really just like to see you have a conversation with these people for much longer. It's crucial to getting Jerry to make the show. He will not do the show unless you give him a cool new car to drive every episode. 
and he uh, meets up with Chris Rock, who is, you know, if you don't know behind the scenes, is kind of one of the elder statesmen of sage comedy advice. Like everybody, every comedian who's ever worked in New York has talked to Chris Rock and had some deep comedy conversation with him, which is why I wanted more of that. But they do get pulled over in this one, right? <laughs> That's why I threw it up, because there's a lot of great episodes of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, but yeep, getting pulled over by the cop with Chris Rock. What are Please, please tell me Chris Rock starts yelling about how he's probably the first black guest on this show and this has to happen, (laughs) because he's got a black man in an expensive car. Don't you see what I have to put up with? To be fair, Jerry was driving when he got pulled over. But But maybe Jerry's right. The conversation that ensues would have to be highly manufactured in any buddy cop movie. And here it just <laughs> organically happens. Chris Rock, Chris Rock is going to tell you the difference in the attitudes of being pulled over to Jerry Seinfeld. And he also says, kids need bullying. And I wish, sort of wish, some people think what comedians say is sacrosanct and real, rather than what Chris is saying is like, bullying was important to me becoming who I am. Not important to kids growing up. That's not the that's not the case at all. So I wish adults would stop saying it. Anyway, moving on to one of the best shows of all time, Venture Brothers. Bot uh, seeks bot. Van Data just finished just finished the rewatch of this big old binge. Oh right, running through it, uh, running through it as fast as possible, and you can just see like how many things come up from like that was a one off joke four seasons ago, yep. and here they are making that like a character and making mm-hmm. you care about that. I I did a God rewatch. Damn. While playing games, and I'm like, I the, the movie, by the way, oh boy, do I hate plugging new releases, but the Adventure Brothers movie slash series finale is like two weeks away, and I encourage you to do the same. Gonna... I've, I've always said I was going to do my first rewatch, because I watched it live, but I've never done a rewatch before the series conclusion, so mm-hmm. I don't got much time, y'all. I gotta... Oh, you gotta get through it, man. You might have to do yeah. the last two episodes at the very least, because like, there. I've watched it like two, three times now. I'm like, I'm still very unclear about the genealogy here. <laughs> Even with Van D- yeah. Vendetta. Yeah. The producers of the show uh, start talking in their commentary track uh, about how they finally had to show the Guild of Calamitous intent, mm-hmm. and they never intended to show it. It was a joke. And now they have to take these stupid black pencil drawings and make them into real characters, as they explain here. Right, because their silhouettes could be anything. Yeah, they're, well, they're, they're made they were, up of old peoples. Exactly. Like, we just took models from other shows. You know, like... Um, half Jackal is full Jackal? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Steppenwolf it was, was half Jackal, and we just doubled him so he looked totally Jackal. Yeah. Um, the data is... Sandow with a helmet put on him. And a weird little thing coming out of the helmet. Yeah. yeah. The nerve is uh, an OSI pilot. Wow. (laughs) Love me some Venture Brothers. Bot Seeks Bot. This is a good episode. Two robots who don't have to eat or have sex trying to date one another. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we can see the the supervillain club. Yes. (laughs) This is where they're really getting more into the lore of the show. They're really starting to do a deep dive into the guild. I mean, and I love it. Almost I'm there all for it is. all of it. Almost all mm-hmm. it is towards those last couple seasons. Um, that's why I'm so confused. Even Vendetta turns out to be more important, doesn't he? Yeah. Shit. Someone, someone needs to write me a refresher article because I want to watch that movie at least four times. <laughs> anyway, moving on to video games of 10 years ago. 2013, uh, July 14th to the 20th. Dynasty Warriors 8. 
boy, if you love the first seven, are you in for a real treat. Dynasty Warriors, Muso games as they call them, just a slash as many people as possible game. And sometimes in the mood, I'm in the mood for that. Sometimes I very much resent having to play them. But I've been, I've loved and hated Dynasty Warriors games. I don't know anything about Time of Eternity though for PS3. Um, but nothing. Uh, uh, nothing. Yeah, got nothing on that. Let us know. <laughs> I should have asked Wiki Parez from Video Game Apocalypse for this. But uh, then the real winners this week are Turbo Stunt Super Stunt Squad for everything, including the Wii U and Wii. So you know it's designed with <laughs> graphics of peak, peak importance. Right. What do you think this game is like to play? I would say like, it was just a racing game, but it sounds it's more no. like a driver or a no. stuntman. Tony Hawk with snails. Oh, that's what the game is. <laughs> that has to be the longest kickflip I have ever seen. And then, of course, rest in peace department. The game is out. Woo. Uh, I think it's weirdly released by Atlas, famed RPG makers. Uh, but I think it was a studio that had made a similar third person action game and just kind of shoehorned this in there and this did not fared even worse in reviews than the movie did. so there's no reason to play r.i.p.d the game because most of you couldn't give a shit about r.i.p.d the movie or the comic book why play the game thank you so much for listening you can support us at patreon.com slash laser time we encourage the five dollar level we'll give you a bunch of free shows ton of free shows in the barrel disney stuff bond stuff Megasodes coming up a certain season that we're working on so much crap quality crap and uh existing access to existing stuff full-length movie commentaries and a bunch of extra shows thank you guys so much for your support also listen to video game apocalypse i believe we're talking about some mario weirdness this week in addition to some of the latest news including some interesting stuff about game preservation i think 30 fans would be interested in hearing discussion on so thank you so much Anyway, Di, where can folks find you at? They can find me on the moderately working Twitter at 302010podcast, or that's the podcast, 302010podcast, or follow me in particular at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D. Oh my God, next week, we have so much crazy shit. Stuff I am much more enthusiastic about, such as uh, one of the X-Men is coming back. He's going to be, finally, they give him his own movie, and this time it's not going to suck eggs because he's going to Japan. He's going to snick some bastards. We also have a movie I... I'm very curious for everyone's reaction. Uh, Bob Dylan's going to make a movie, guys. And oh, man. Oh. <laughs> John Goodman co-stars his Uncle Sweetheart, and it's one of the weirdest things ever. Yeah. Also, the best Lara Croft movie. Wow. And <laughs> we're going to we're gonna have to put aside a whole bunch of time because, Chris, hmm. it's Conehead's time. Yeah, man. <laughs> the SNL movie I think they should make every year. <laughs> And if that wasn't enough, Bill Maher is going to get incorrect, politically speaking. Mm. <gasps> Joel's last season of MST3K begins. Oh. No. The Reno Police Department is shown in all its glory. <laughs> and the rise of Joe Rogan questioning stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Anyway, without it away, die who died during all this? Oh, brother. Well, it has been 30 years, everyone. 30-
30 goddamn years since the Clinton body count <laughs> began <laughs> of conspiracy theories about Bill and or Hillary Clinton killing off anyone who knows too much because Deputy White House Counsel Vince Foster died. He was 48. He drove into a park and, and uh, shot himself. And yeah, this this ends up spinning into impeachment in the weirdest fucking way. He had been like a, a partner, you know, with them with a law firm and like he did have issues with depression. But people were like, there was no indication that he was so depressed that he wanted to kill himself. And I believe his assistant uh, was a young lady named Linda Tripp. Oh, goodness. Oh, and what? she started to hate the Clintons at this point. She she was like, and then she got shuffled off to another job after he passed away. And she was really pissed off. And she knew someone who said that Bill Clinton had, you know, molested her. And, also, uh, also played by John Goodman. Also played by John Goodman. <laughs> God damn it. That was mean. It was very mean. That was mean. I have no love for Linda Tripp, but that, that was mean. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah. And so she started this, you know, she's super, super mad about the Clintons and thinking that they they must have done something. They must know something. And then when her co-worker Monica Lewinsky confided in her, it's on. So years and years and years this spins out. But you will still hear conspiracy theories to this day that they had their friend killed because something, something, something aliens. To clarify, I was. Making a reference to an actual SNL sketch or series of sketches, not making fun of Linda Tripp's looks, by the way. She was yep. played by John Goodman at least <laughs> once or twice on SNL. Yep. And it was uh, Sarah Paulson on the uh, the Ryan Murphy series, American Crime Story, which mm-hmm. was really good and huh. like infuriated me. Well, I loved her in The Bear. Ha <laughs> ha. Just kidding. Not a not All a right. real spoiler, but goddamn, I'm plugging that show. Uh, anyway, who else? So, who else yeah. died? Dime? So in 1993, we lost Vince Foster, and that's you know I feel like I'm making light of his man's death, and it's it's not funny, but my God, I feel like he's been dragged through the mud by being part of these conspiracy theories for so long. Yeah. Then in 2003, we lost the Queen of Salsa, La Reina, Celia Cruz. Celia Cruz is 77. And man, we've talked about Cuba a lot this episode, but she is a big old Cuban star. Where uh, JR um, was once the uh, president of? What was the story? I forget. mm -hmm. President of Cuba, formerly JR. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me. Exactly. I I was a student in Cuba at Havana University, so me and Castro are alums. Yeah. Uh (laughs) You know the secret handshake. I got to see it someday. (laughs) You get the same newsletter. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and the same begging for money yes. from the alumni association. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Celia Cruz. Oh my God, look her up. She yeah. so so much energy, so much fun. I'm going to force us to go out with something because this is the only time when someone dies. It's like the only time I get to play old music on this yeah, show. Yeah, I'm I'm so, all for it. There you go. But with that out of the way, with that out of the way, it's time for the birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo, a ding-dong, doodly-doodly, ding-dong-doo. This person is no longer with us. Fitz Foster! (laughs) (laughs) July 16th, 1911. Wow. Yeah, you know her. Both of you do. Died April 25th, 1995. She was remarried and divorced five times. Not Liz Taylor then. No, she was alive then in 95. Okay. Her first marriage was to Jack Pepper. Her second 
to Mervyn Leroy, her oh. third. Oh no. To Lou Eras. By the way, Jack uh, Pepper is the worst lube. Do not use it. <laughs> Jack Briggs, Jack Bergerac, Bergerac, and finally William Marshall. Ooh, Lou Ayers and Bill? Melvin. Wait, not Melvin Douglas. Who did you say? Melvin Leroy. Oh, she didn't marry him. She only dated him. Wow. Oh, okay. Now it all makes sense. I need more. Yeah. <laughs> I need okay. We got an old musical was made about her life Abita. on the Broadway season 2016. Oh. She is referenced in Madonna's 1990 single, Vogue. Okay. Oh, there's just like 18 names there. Uh, Wait, I can, just, I can do that. No, don't do I it. I do that whole list. <laughs> on the cover of a magazine. Uh. All right. Her career really took off in the 1940s film Kitty Foley. Other films include Roxy Hart, yeah, Chicago. Yes. yes, Ginger Rogers. Ginger Rogers. Oh. Yeah. Famous for doing everything Fred Astaire did, backwards and in heels. Mm. Yep. I think, like, one of the most conservative people ever in Hollywood. <laughs> she, was, she was really, really conservative. You, you wouldn't think so, but... And not in a churchy way, just in a, like, these are my politics way. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Ginger Rogers... Yeah, I. She's better than Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire is a better dancer generally, but Ginger Rogers is a way better actor than Fred Astaire. Mm. Sorry. Well, yeah. Where's I, her dance? We studio? talked about. Take that, talked, Fred Astaire fans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I talked about Roxy Hart when we talked about Chicago, and like that movie's that's really fun, and the major and the minor is fun, and Kitty Foyle is fun, and she's adorable. Yeah, I like Ginger Rogers. Yay! All right, and that about wraps up the show. So, what are we going to close out with, Diana? Give us some context to your dead person. Uh, yeah, I think we'd go out with uh, Bembo Colora. Bembo Colora. Or Colora. There's an accent there by Celia Colora. Cruz, which is about, yes, her red, deep red lips. And she <laughs> sings this cancion for you. And we all do salsa. I heard deep fried lips. That sounds delicious right now. I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> it's Now, honestly, Celia Cruz is the kind of music you put it on low behind a party and your party just became the classiest fucking party. Well, good. Nice. What a great way to close out. Leave everybody dancing, telling friends about the show, and supporting the Patreon. Patreon.com slash laser time. Thank you folks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Canta tu rumba.